0: Welcome back to the BitBeacon Broadcast This is episode 2 We're recording on September 7th, 2023 Um, You've got me here, Taylor, Kodaks, whatever you like to call me, I don't mind And our other host, Rick, uh, Ravenheart, whichever you prefer And uh, we're here to continue talking about games And just uh, what interests us And hopefully you guys learn something along the way um, we did want to address something real quickly, um, we're aware uh, that, uh, uh, well I wouldn't, uh, maybe aware is the wrong word, but uh, we're aware that two weeks was our intention to record every two weeks, and that's maybe a little too long, there's just way too much news coming out. Um, so we're recording a little before two weeks, but then going forward, starting with episode three, we're going to be recording every Tuesday, hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, so you should be getting a new episode of this podcast every single week. Um, and hopefully that'll help with the uh, length as well of the, uh, each
1: episode. Yeah, that's not a commitment so much as it is what we're aiming for. But if we can't make it on Tuesday, we'll definitely do it on Wednesday. It will be one show a week. Yeah. I mean, there may be exceptions where if we're on vacation or something. But
0: hopefully we can try to like maybe pre-record some kind of episode or something. So we're not
1: completely... Uh, out of your spear, but yeah, the the news cycle has been just pouring in, and there's just no way we can go two weeks between episodes. It's just not going to happen. Nope. Um, so before we get into the news, though,
0: I just want to ask uh, Rick here what what he has been playing lately, or what have
1: you been buying? What's going on? So aside from Pokemon Scarlet and Violet, obviously, um, I did start playing uh, Typo again. Final, Final Fantasy, Fantasy Typo. Uh, I had never finished it. I started it late last year, and it's you know I'm just reminded of how intense it is with the lore um, and how crazy the the combat system is. How unique it is for Final Fantasy. Um, they're all every single installment has a unique combat system, but I really like the one in Um I'm also like seeing again how. It's just, it almost feels like a, a prototype for like an artistic prototype leading into like Final Fantasy 15. Okay. Um, if Orients becomes Eos and the Militesi Empire becomes Magitek, Rubrum becomes Insomnia, you, you have the look and feel of Final Fantasy 15. Okay, I haven't played either of those games. I remember
0: Type o was originally a PSP game and I don't think it released on PSP in the western part of the world only in Japan I think you're right but eventually it did get ported to PS4, PS4 and only. Xbox one or was it just PS4 only um that's a good question I'm actually
1: not sure okay. definitely PS4 because right. that's what yeah. I'm playing it on
0: yeah Final Fantasy doesn't
1: really ever miss PlayStation consoles right so that you can count on um I know that game had some controversy when it first came out. Uh, controversy about, or just like uh, just disagreement about uh, oh, about okay. you know f- fan titillation. I don't know what you'd call it. Okay. Um some people just I can understand how it would be hard to get into. It's so lore heavy like up front. Uh, it's just front loaded with lore that's not going to make sense till no. way later in the game, and, and that can her- be like annoying. hurts your brain levels yeah. of lore. Like where they're just saying all these gibberish words, right. and you're like, huh? Really crazy epic cinematics, yeah. like the biggest, biggest cinematics you can imagine that I've ever seen in a game. Um, at least that's it's a in a the bold th- claim that's a bold claim. It's for in a the PSP top, game. <laughs> it's in the top five um, games i would say with big cinematics i'm talking six seven eight minutes long oh, okay. cinematics so like maybe metal gear solid 4
0: has a beat with like two uh, hour cutscenes, scenes but y-
1: yeah that yeah definitely well okay so when you say big you mean lengthwise lengthwise but um also no not really lengthwise oh, okay. actually i'm i'm talking like big and um like crazy things, yeah, happening. crazy thing, yeah. Oh, okay. Just overview, okay. But gameplay I, wise, what is the actual gameplay so like? So yeah, the combat is nuts. You're you play as a class, okay. right? The class zero, so they're they're a class, and their names are the names of like the co- different, uh, not suits, but numbers in a deck of playing cards. Okay. So you have ace, deuce, you know, gotcha. Um, And you cycle through them, like, in real time. Okay. At a whim, you can just... At a whim, yeah. Do you bring the whole entire
0: class with you, or is it, like, just a handful at a time?
1: um, When you go into a mission, you select a designated number of people to come with you, and you can cycle through them, but uh, it... There are... You actually can go through the entire class. There's a... You choose the starting Mm -hmm. team, and then you can actually fill in their empty slots. Are there times where some of the characters are unavailable
0: for a particular mission because of what's going on in the story, or Um, has that not really happened? I haven't hit a point, I haven't beat
1: the game yet, but I haven't hit a point where that's happened. Like, one is off doing something, and he's just not available or something. I presume they all have, like, their own unique weapon and that style. They all specialize in their own weapon. Like, 8 is the martial artist, Mm -hmm. and, and... six, I think, has the scythe, and some of them are ranged, and some of them are, you know, melee, some of them are slow heavy hitters, and some are really fast, um, and some are like healers, uh, but yeah, you cycle through them all, and each one gains experience as you cycle through it, it's just, it's crazy and wild, and the, um... Over the map screen has this is I think where it differs the most from like something like Final Fantasy 15, that's like a, a third-person adventure RPG. Mm-hmm. This is still top-down over, like overworld. Okay. Do you uh, actually
0: travel, or is it more like you just select locations? No, you actually
1: walk. Oh, uh, like, on the overworld. Final Fantasy One style. Uh, okay, cool. And you have random battles, okay. but the battles. They have separate battle scenes, but it's real time. Okay, it's not turn based. Um, and now, do they go to school since they're a class? Or? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so that's the Rubrum Academy that they attend, and the class they're ba- basically being trained to be soldiers okay. in the Rubrum Empire. And uh, there's four different empires, each one's guarded guarded by their own crystal, like Guardian Crystal. Okay. Uh, and this is where the crazy concepts come in. Like so, their crystal protects them from remembering their are dead. Mm. So Is when that a some, spoiler dude, <laughs> I, I yeah probably, but this game's been so old. Oh, yeah, there's old. a okay, we're so, allowed. Um, so if somebody dies on the battlefield, their friends and family forget oh. completely, forget them. Okay, so they can't be hurt. Right, exactly. Okay, and so their crystal like protects them from grief. Uh, what
0: happens to their room? Does it just like get emptied out? Uh, like, wouldn't they walk into like
1: their room and be like, "Who who
0: lives here? Who's in this
1: room?" I mean, uh, the game doesn't get into the logistics <laughs> that way so oh, much, okay. but it does get in, it does get into like when you're out doing missions, you find dog tags, mm. and the purpose is to Bring you know because back. yeah yeah to basically for the academy to know who has oh, died. Okay. Because that's the only way they would know is okay. by finding Are those like collectibles in the game? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you can trade them to a Moogle that gives you nice items and stuff like that. Um, but, uh, yeah, just crazy concepts like that. Um, the game has its own calendar, like cycle and seasons and months. Okay. Does like, that play out
0: in like... Like, if you linger around too long, does time keep going? Or is it more like, as
1: you progress, the time changes? So, you go through the game, and in between story missions, you have an allotted amount of free time. Oh. And everything you do takes, like, two hours of free time. Okay. Or a day of free time. This sounds very
0: similar to a game I played, Trails of Cold Steel. Right. Um, And it's also set in, like, an academy, and there's, like, these free time segments, and... You can spend your free time, sort of strategically, getting to know different characters, but you can't do everything all in one exactly. day. Exactly. Yeah, you'd have to like do another
1: playthrough. or Yes, something. exactly. And that's what—that's exactly the format okay. here. Um, you have to—you have to go through the game like three times to, to do get everything, everything done. Mm-hmm. Oh. And there's a tome that collects all of the cinematics you've unlocked, mm-hmm. and cutscenes, and story bios, and characters, and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And yeah, to complete it, you would have to go through the game like three times. Okay. Um, Sounds
0: like it's probably a hard platinum trophy.
1: Yeah. Maybe not hard, but
0: maybe a long grind. Another thing
1: is optional missions that you'll encounter are way beyond what you're capable of until you hit them on your second playthrough or third Mm -hmm. playthrough. And that's where I'm stuck right now. I'm actually stuck in a mission that... I refuse to surrender on So I'm like out there grinding On this okay. mission to try to like I mean what's the punishment for surrendering You just uh, gotta like restart the battle from you, scratch? you would Well because I saved already You would like lose that time oh. And I honestly I'm not even sure what okay. what other You don't want to find out Yeah I don't want to find out basically Rick you refuse to admit defeat uh, Yeah that's how I am I'm a completionist <laughs> Um I know I'll lose something, uh, but, yeah. Just your your finite time on this planet. Another, well, my, my free time in the game, oh, like, okay. that's, that's finite. Gotcha. But also, uh, another aspect of this game that's not a... It's one of the smaller aspects, optional aspects, but Chocobo breeding mm-hmm. is a thing in this game. And you can find different types of Chocobo. There's combat Chocobo, war Chocobo. Um, speed chocobo, like different colors. Okay, and you can crossbreed them at the ranch. Is this like a side thing, or
0: is this like a oh, required? You should take part in this in order to play through the game.
1: No use of chocobos, unless there's a mission in the future that requires you use a chocobo. Um, is totally optional. It's for transportation, faster transportation. So chocobos, if you don't know, are these bird uh, like? they're like ostriches but they're like golden
0: well they can be all kinds of colors actually yeah
1: they uh typically they're yellow right. they're um, they're birds that you ride on right. in the final they're fantasy they're like
0: horses but in final fantasy right but you know they've gotten their own crazy spin-offs and all kinds of things right
1: they've gotten their own chocobo racing franchise
0: chocobo mystery Dungeon. yes yeah uh they're 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 almost like a mascot not quite as much as the Moogle is but uh, they're a close second. I would say Final chocobo
1: Fantasy. and moogle both are kind of up there. Cactar too, in a way. Cactar definitely. Um, but yeah, chocobo breeding. I'm hooked. Okay. I'm always tra- like, I'll be focused on something, and I'll see a chocobo running in the corner of the screen. Right. I'll go try to catch it.
0: No, like, I don't care if we're in the heat of battle. Right. I got to go get that chocobo. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. got to go make him force him to mate exactly. with
1: something else. Exactly a little cruel and unusual. Um, and then, so that begets chocobo eggs, and then they, like, a brood will hatch after your next mission is complete, and you go back to the ranch, collect your chocobo and stuff. Anyways, yeah, that's Type Zero, and I love that game. Well,
0: you're going to have to keep me updated on your progress, um, so I expect to hear more from you. Well, maybe not in a couple days, because... We'll be back in just a few days from now to record Episode 3. Right. But, um, you know, I'm sure we'll continue to hear more as you work your way through the game.
1: Oh, yeah. Definitely.
0: Um, I have been playing my usual slate of games, so I won't bore anybody talking about Genshin Impact again. (laughs) But, last night, I finally booted up another Final Fantasy game, Final Fantasy 16, and I have been having... A ball with this. It is a lot of fun to play. It's been a while since i played like a really big budget action game and it's button mashy. Not, not, not that there's not strategy to the game, but it's fun mm-hmm. to just like hammer in on enemies and it's very flashy. Very cool to just look at all the crazy effects going on on screen. Um, the game opens uh, with you playing a younger version of the main character. And uh, you kind of go through sort of an origin story that sets him on his path. Um, And then the game jumps forward uh, 15 or so years later, uh, where he's an adult, and then you're kind of, uh, you're on a mission. And uh, it's, uh, I don't want to spoil it, because Rick hasn't played it, so I won't get too This is actually a new game. It's relatively new, so I won't get too detailed, but there's some really cool features that I like about the game at any time. When you're in, like, any area or in the middle of a cutscene, you can hold down on the touchpad, and it brings up this cool, like, lore menu where it'll talk about, like, what city you're in, the characters that you're interacting with right now, and, like, kind of, like, key terms and different things you should know as a player. So maybe where type O is like, dropping all these crazy, like, words and places and kingdoms and empires on you. Like, at least with this game, you have a... a an ability to, like, pull up and kind of just see live, like, what are they talking about, you know, and get a better understanding, almost like a little wiki page for each character and each location that you're in at any time. And these character profiles and things update as the story changes. And in a way, they're kind of like a collectible as well. Um, I mean, you can't really miss them because they get added uh, to sort of a database if you didn't happen to hit the lower panel at the right time. Mm -hmm. Um, But there's a certain NPC you can visit to talk to him and kind of catch up on the lore you maybe missed out on
1: i would point out that both typo and 15 have that kind of dynamic lore updating Mm -hmm. you know pages and stuff like that it's not as intuitive okay you know to where it's just real time
0: yeah i mean it makes sense with the latest final fantasy game that that's maybe been enhanced you know because i'm sure they got feedback maybe while testing that players were sort of like confused right um and this game uh, what's interesting about it is that uh, the voice cast the primary voice cast is not the Japanese voice cast they specifically wanted like English actors uh, to do it and it's got a, a medieval setting to it very kind of dark fantasy it's not uh, it's, it's kind of gory at times it doesn't shy away from like foul language um, it's uh, I don't want to call it edgy because I wouldn't call it edgy But it's definitely mature. This is an R rated Final Fantasy. There's like people jumping on top of each other, like getting ready to bang. Uh, I mean, this, I mean, not that they actually do that, but I mean, like, you know, it implies like adult things are happening, you know? Um, It doesn't skirt around uh, these kinds of things, these topics. And uh, I don't know, it's been just really fun so far. I'm only like five, six hours deep, but I absolutely love the combat, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you can press the O button at any time to sort of do this jump towards an enemy, um, and it just kind of keeps the combat, like, really flowing, so there's no downtime where you're, like, walking up to the enemy, you just kind of, you know, you ha- you can sort of target enemies using, uh, L1. Uh, I will say having Evade be R1 is kind of confusing for me, um, and feel free to ask any questions yeah, at any how, time. Yeah, that's Rick.
1: how like fifteen is though. Um, like you're describing fifteen, and right? This, no, like, I Auto know, wars. I
0: know that uh, Noctis and fifteen kind of has this uh, teleport ability where he can quickly go to another enemy. And they must have saw that players like that, and they want to keep the combat just constantly flowing, right? Um, so that's that's pretty cool that they did that. I will say, I keep trying to use the O that kind of teleports you to the enemy or kind of zooms you over to the enemy as like a dodge and so I'm like having to like rewire my brain because usually dodge is sort of that button in a lot of games right? and you you can at times use it as a dodge but if you're trying to get like a perfect dodge or that kind of a thing where it puts you into like a slow-mo time so you can get some extra attacks in mm-hmm. um,
1: you gotta use R1 and so yeah right um, I mean again though targeting is a huge like I can speak from 15 like targeting goes into, like, all kinds of other abilities. Um, is it like that, where you're targeting an enemy and then you have, like, ten things you can do from there?
0: I mean, I'm going to make a confession right now. The only numbered Final Fantasy game I've ever really played significantly on is Final Fantasy One. Wow. So, I mean, I don't know if you count Seven Remake. It is a numbered entry, but uh, it's, you know... Different. Sure, uh, yeah. I I mean I played a, a fair few of Final Fantasy spin-offs over the years, but I don't know why. I haven't spent a lot of time with the numbered entries. And even when I played one, I played the Game Boy Advance version, Dawn of Souls. Gotcha. Um, which I absolutely love. That game, it's one of my favorite uh just classic turn based RPGs, and I don't know that I would have had as much fun playing on the NES. Uh, that I did playing on the Game Boy Advance, right? Um, but uh, I had a great time with it. I remember I tried Final Fantasy II, and I just couldn't get into it for some reason. Dawn of Souls version, the G- the Game Boy Advance version of Final Fantasy II, but uh, it was uh, yeah. So I stopped. I tried playing Final Fantasy 3 on DS. Couldn't really get into that one either. I just remember coming out of this cave and some turtle like killed me immediately yeah. and I wasn't able to save yet. You're one so, to like, give up to, quickly. I had to like redo like 45 minutes of like gameplay so I tried it again and then got killed by another like turtle almost immediately out of coming out of a cave and yeah. I was like That was a good
1: remake. Yeah, I, I like that one.
0: I've heard good things. Uh you know, I really I really really
1: really want to play Final Fantasy 6. Yeah, six lot. six is iconic. Yeah. Um, in my opinion, four is the saddest. Okay, um, like the most the doosiest of all, yeah. all of them. Uh, Typo is actually quite bloody and has a lot of slaughter. And yeah, I remember seeing like trailers for Typo, and that it was like it looked very R rated. Right, it it is. Yeah, it straight up is. Um, but I I would say that four is even more sad. Yeah. than that. Um, fifteen is the one with all the jobs, like a mm-hmm. hundred twenty eight different possible job combinations mm-hmm. and stuff like that. That's why I say each Final Fantasy has something of its own, right. Like identity. I will say it does seem like Final Fantasy uh
0: sixteen. It doesn't seem like there's a job system, at least I'm not seeing anything like that yet. Okay, you don't really you have a party where people come in and out of your party but you don't control them separately, Mm -hmm. and it's, like, totally action-based. There's, like, zero turn-based. Right. No hint of that. It's 100% an action RPG. Um, Whereas, like, Final Fantasy VII Remake, you can kind of go into this tactical mode uh, at will at any time, where the game kind of, like, slows down to, like, a hundredth of a normal speed, and you can kind of issue commands to your different. So it kind of gives it sort of a little bit of a turn-based flair, but without really being turn-based. Right. 15 um,
1: actually did something to, like, to yeah. that effect, where it pauses right. before a, like the enemy's next move and stuff. Well, Final Fantasy 15 was the game that tried to
0: do everything. Right, it is. Yeah, and that game had a really messy development. It had years and years of updates post-release. They constantly added all kinds of new things constantly, which was cool. It was a really big project, but I don't think they'll make a Final Fantasy game like that. I think it, like, I think it hurt. It probably hurt them. Financially. I I tend
1: to focus on what a game does do rather than what it doesn't do. Well, it did do everything, It it did. It tried to do everything. Like, the driving? Yeah. was really cool. (laughs) I loved that. But isn't
0: that only for, like, a small portion of the game?
1: Um, no. The whole game the whole game right up until you get to insomnia at the end. Okay. You're driving. Cuz yeah, driving. I understand the game is like
0: starts off being very open and then it gets like very linear. Uh yeah. the
1: end, the ending area yeah. is
0: that way. Right.
1: In Final Fantasy
0: 16 so far, it seems very linear. Mm-hmm. Um, which I'm kind of appreciating because I've, the, there's just so many giant open world games that I can play. Every game coming out seems yeah. like an open world game. And we'll, I think we're going to be addressing that topic in a little bit here. But um, So it's nice to have something that's a little more straightforward. It does have like some small open environments where you can get a little lost. But generally speaking, you're kind of... I don't want to say you're going in a straight line, but you, you, just, you can just keep following along with the map and you'll eventually find where you're supposed to be headed. Uh, so it's nice to see something that's a little more straightforward, not bogged down with a bunch of bloat, at least not yet. I don't know how significant it gets with like mm-hmm. side quests and things like that at some point.
1: I um, mean, as long as side quests are totally fine, as long as there's, I don't know, so it, you don't get lost just exploring and exploring and exploring for right. days. Right, yeah.
0: I mean, I like that. I do too. It's fun, but yeah, it's just like, oh my god, am I ever going to finish the game or right. am I just going to be constantly distracted? Right. That happened to me with the new Zelda game. That's where,
1: I, that's where your hours rack up to like 400.
0: Right. I had to eventually just say like, nope, no more side quests. We're just going to focus on the main quest. We're powered up. We don't need 100% the game before we go to the final boss. So right. I just kind of was like, I've already been playing for 100 hours. It's time to mainline the main quest and get out of here. Uh, real quick before we move on to the news i have bought a few other games and i have them here with me so i wouldn't forget what they are i imported a physical copy of bot and kaidos one and two hd remaster unfortunately this game did not get a physical release but it did get an asia english asia english release and so the cover and back cover are entirely in english it looks really really nice the art is absolutely fantastic on this have cover. you played
1: either boss and kaito's title
0: no i haven't when i had a gamecube i didn't know about all these cool rpgs when i was you know 13 years old i was mostly playing like super smash brother and pokemon coliseum and yeah. stuff like that um so yeah i missed out these were originally developed by uh Oh my gosh! Monolith Soft, right? Uh, published by Bandai Namco, and I'm a, a huge fan of Monolith Soft's, uh, Monolith Soft's recent games, yeah. Um, the Xenoblade series, and so I know they developed these quite a few years before then. Um, so I, I really do want to play these games, and I know it's like got a card based battle system, yeah. So, and I've, I've enjoyed several card based battle games. Uh, one that comes to mind is Kingdom Hearts: uh, Chain of Memories on Game Boy Advance, yep. which they eventually ported to. Well, I wouldn't say they ported it; they like totally remade it for PlayStation
1: Two. I did play uh, some of Eternal Wings and the Lost Ocean. Is that the uh, second it's one? The first one. Oh, that was the first one. It's Origins as a second. Yes, Origins. One. But
0: you should play the first one first, and Origins second. Don't start with Origins, even though...
1: I'm saying I started with the first one. Right, no,
0: I'm just talking to the listener here. Oh, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Gotcha. Even though it's a prequel, you should play it second. That's what I've heard. Um, Another Asia-English import I brought is the remake of Atelier Marie, um, the Alchemist of Salberg. I bundled this with my order of Bot and Kaidos 1 and 2. Um, don't have much to say about this one. I haven't played it yet. I've played a few of the Atelier games. Have you ever touched any uh, of those? Atelier Iris. you played on Iris. PS2, yeah. Okay. Um, so, yeah, i played a few of the Dusk Trilogy games on PS3, um, and I enjoyed those quite a bit. And, uh, yeah, I need to get back to that. But they are, you know, good 40-, 50-hour games. Yeah, yeah. So And they put out a new Atelier game, I swear, every single year. I right. don't know how the developer, Gust, has such a... An efficient production scheme there um and detective pikachu returns just came out uh i think yesterday friday and uh, this is the sequel to detective pikachu on the 3ds which i swore they said they were porting to the switch but i guess it just never happened i haven't followed up they announced that a long time ago when they announced that detective pikachu 2 was coming um I never played the first. (laughs) Not really sure why I bought this. I don't have time for it, but it's a Pokemon game, so, uh, yeah, unfortunately, I have to buy it. Yeah,
1: it might benefit you to play the first one.
0: I would imagine. I've heard it has, like, a recap uh, of the events of the first game, but um, I, I feel like I should probably go back and play the original. I don't think they're super long. I think they're, like, 20 hours, and it's got kind of, like, a... It's a point and, not a point-and-click, but it's an investigation-style game right. where you're walking around environments and interacting with the objects and kind of piecing clues together. I do like
1: those kinds of games. Me too,
0: me too. So you know, maybe I, I should go back and give it a shot. And then uh, Nintendo recently released Pikmin 1 and 2 for Nintendo Switch. I picked that up uh, as well. Uh, so now I think all four Pikmin games are now on Switch, which yep. is pretty cool. I believe these are ports of the Wii version of Pikmin 1 and 2. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. Um, but they they are enhanced beyond that for Switch. They're not like they just drop the ISO right. on the Switch cart and said, here you go. <laughs> motion controls <laughs> so, <yeah>. don't work. <laughs> I mean, motion controls, I, I believe they do function with this game, but okay. obviously they are a different kind of motion controls because there's no... Uh, Wii Remote? There's no Wii Remote. So it's gotta actually use like gyro and stuff like that to determine where the pointer is. Right. Um, and that's that's a lot of pickups. Some of these I paid for and ordered a long time ago and they just finally got here. Um so I, I doubt I'll have anything new to talk about in terms of pickups. You haven't picked up anything in the last week or so, have I'm you? I'm still just waiting
1: for my Castlevania Game Boy Advance collection. Oh well dude, you're gonna be
0: waiting like six, seven months for that. Uh. So you can't mention that every week. <laughs> Uh, all right, so why don't we uh switch over to the news um something some news that broke right after we recorded last week's episode was that jim ryan the c e o and president of playstation essentially announced that he was retiring uh effective march twenty twenty four yep now we we were just talking about him. On the episode, right?
1: Yeah, we were talking about him when we were planning out episode Uh, two. Oh, okay. And then all of a sudden, it was like, speak of the devil. A a
0: day later. That's right, we were on the phone talking about... We recorded the first episode, and we were, you know, very excited about our... uh, our recording and our plans yeah (laughs) for episode two and then like a minute later we hang up and then i i see a headline pop up on my phone that he's retiring and i was like oh my god speak of the devil so i'm just gonna real quick uh read his statement this is ceo and president of sony interactive entertainment jim ryan and i'm gonna uh, abbreviate this a little bit at some spots um, as you will have seen today in the news, I have announced my retirement after nearly 30 years at Sony Interactive Entertainment. I did not take this decision lightly, and I absolutely love SIE and our community. But of late, I've been finding it increasingly difficult to strike the right balance between having my home in the UK and my job in the United States. As mentioned in the press release, I will continue my role as president and CEO until March 2024. I feel humbled having I feel humbled at having the opportunity to lead a company delivering products that touch millions of lives. From award-winning games to the incredibly immersive technical achievements delivered with PlayStation 5, I am immensely proud of what we have achieved and very optimistic for the future of Sony Interactive Entertainment. From my beginning in Europe, it was clear that Sony had built something truly special. Generations later, I am amazed by the excitement and passion of the PlayStation community. It is thanks to you that we have been able to keep innovating and delivering even greater experiences. Since 1994, generations of gamers have inspired us to be better, to push the boundaries, and the results have been incredible. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Now, how do you think gamers took this news?
1: Um, I know how I feel about it. You me, tell me how gamers yeah, took it.
0: Let me, people were celebrating in the streets, practically. Oh, right. Okay. We were, like, overturning cars and excitement.
1: I thought you meant by his words. <laughs> no, not, yeah, yeah. not so much okay. by
0: his words. So Jim Ryan has not been particularly beloved since he took over as PlayStation's leader. And I think it was late 2019 when Sean Layden was... I, well, it's rumored that he was ousted. Right. Um, yeah. Not so, officially. Not officially. He claims that he, he just saw it as the right time, but he refuses to comment on if there was any pressure for him to leave the company. Yeah,
1: that which means that they're probably. Which is bizarre
0: to me because the PlayStation 4 was incredibly successful, it brought back the PlayStation brand from the disappointment. Of at least sales-wise, that the PlayStation 3 was. Right. I mean, I love my PS3, and I still have it even plugged in and ready to turn on in a moment. But, um, yeah, it was it was bizarre. Like, Sean Layden was this guy who was super accessible, very down-to-earth, interested in indie developers. You know, he, he saw them as a really big part of PlayStation's future. And then you have someone like Jim Ryan come in who's just got this kind of smart polar opposite yeah polar opposite like he doesn't he tr- he thinks gamers are like a monolith and there's only one kind yeah uh he disrespected like playstation's legacy by like publicly insulting
1: their old games okay whoa, whoa, whoa like you're trash. going too fast uh, yeah so <laughs> let me jump in sure. um yeah what was the gran turismo um yeah, he was at some kind of event, I believe. I, I thought it was E three, maybe not. And he's like, "Who wants to play those games?" Yeah, he's who want who wants to play these old games? Just yeah. complete disrespect for a legacy he had nothing to do with. Well, I mean, he has been at Sony for thirty years. He has. I mean, he, that does was he developing? No, but he
0: was uh, you know somewhere in the the he, upper echelon He's a suit. There. He's, he's a, a suit. suit. He's, he's a, a suit. business. I mean, Major. Sean Layden's
1: a suit. Um, no, Sean Layden comes from a development background. He was a programmer. Okay. Um, I for, I off the top of my head, I can tell you what studio he was with, but yeah, he was doing programming and localization stuff like that. Okay, um, I didn't know that way back in the day. So yeah, very different backgrounds uh, between Sean Layden and Jim Ryan. Uh, Jim Ryan, you know this guy is he, coming from a school of business, right, and management, right. Uh, and, and business efficiency. management. <laughs> efficiency. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's really all he... Yeah. In my opinion, from what I can tell, that's what he seems to think about.
0: I mean, under Jim Ryan, we have seen all of PlayStation's, like, double A, smaller, kind of mid-sized game development, like, completely cease. Pretty much. Yeah. Um... I mean, when Sean Layden was around, we still had Japan Studio...
1: Putting out games PlayStation had all kinds of like indie outreach stuff going on they wanted like um they wanted the little guy the the littlest guy that they could possibly right. access
0: I mean under Sean Layden we had stuff like PlayStation experience uh, which they did for I can't remember if it was four or five years total uh it wasn't five okay just four. four. Um, and you know all of that's gone away now, like yeah, it's all completely it's, dissipated. It's They're, all gone. Sony doesn't even show up to like conventions or events anymore, nope, and they rarely host their own like public events it's, it's It's just strange, and I know obviously the pandemic was maybe part of that, and a lot of places have kind of stopped doing fan events and things like that, but
1: uh-huh. i mean it's it's okay to come back now, even after. Even uh, still under Sean Layden, even after Sony pulled out of E3, they still were doing those things at the theater across the street, doing cool events, right? Having cool like theatrical presentations, kind of taking a, a page out of Nintendo's book because N- N- Nintendo spends on that kind of stuff. Um, Jim Ryan, nothing. All we had under Jim Ryan, Ryan was the launch of the PS5, and and nothing going on. Yeah, I think like he was in person
0: in New York City for like some kind of launch event or something like that, but you know, they
1: publicly haven't done anything. Right. There's nothing. just no, no you There's don't even no engagement. You forget that PSVR2 was even a thing. You yeah. never hear about it. No. Um this is Jim Ryan's PlayStation. So I mean that, you know, do we do we think Jim Ryan is truly
0: retiring? Or do you think maybe, you know, upper management above Jim Ryan is like, hey, you know, even though the PS5, by all accounts, is a massive success,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, it's it's beating the Xbox by, like,
1: multiple times over in terms of sales. Right, but look how, like, uh, chaotic its launch was. No one could get a PS5. Well, I mean, come on, the pandemic, dude. Yeah, there, was, yeah, there are external reasons why... That could be you know
0: I I don't I don't blame Jim Ryan for that. I don't blame anyone at Playstation. I mean, it's remarkable that both Xbox and Sony were able to launch a console when they did. And yeah, they were both really hard to get for a while. Right. And until what, only a year ago maybe, the Playstation five was still almost impossible to get your hands on. But now you can maybe not walk in a store. I mean, they might go pretty quick in a store, but you can still go online to almost any major retailer. And pick one yeah, up now,
1: one. like right. years
0: after. I know. It's crazy to think that it's already been almost three years yeah. since the PlayStation 5 launch. That's kind of crazy. It does, And they still like fly
1: off the shelves. Yeah, yeah.
0: So, I mean, Jim Ryan leaving at the peak of success... Uh,
1: yeah, I mean, yeah, moves like that, you can almost count on being some form of pressure behind the scenes. Right. Uh, he has a a reason or excuse or however you want to view it. Um. I think it's believable. He says that, you know, SIE's
0: headquarters are in, like, San Mateo. Right. And he's from England. Right. So presumably all his family is there. I'm sure he's got kids and a wife. Right. Um, Oh, yeah, no
1: doubt. And I'm sure he's, yeah, he's telling the truth. I've. I don't think he's wrong about that, right? But um, is he is he using that as a like a crutch to get th- out of there? Yeah, you know the guy's getting multi million dollar salary. Oh yeah, there,
0: no question. And I'm sure he's getting some massive parachute out of there too. Right? Yeah. Yeah. For Job love. well done. Yeah. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's made me think, like, oh man, could you imagine? Could you imagine if Sean Laden <laughs> yeah came like. Back. <laughs> Like, PlayStation makes an announcement, effective April, Sean Layden has returned. But, I mean, they've already said there there's going to be a temporary CEO and president beginning in April, uh, someone from the Japan side of the company. Um, but they are going to start their, presumably, global search to find a, a replacement for Jim Ryan. Gotcha.
1: Um but yeah, if Sean Layden would come back and things went back to how they used to be... I mean, I Sean Layden, you know, I mean, I can't say the guy's perfect. Uh, I think the Vita could have happened a lot better, you know, which was under him, but... Definitely.
0: I, I mean, I don't know if that was
1: really so much marketing's fault. No, I'm not blaming like, the guy personally. No. I'm, he's, he is the head of PlayStation, so right. he represents... He's responsible, ultimately. Right.
0: I agree. No, I mean, not perfect, but, um, you know, uh, still kept it going, kept it alive.
1: I think what sets Sean Layden apart so so much from Jim Ryan, Ryan, of course, is his development background, but his passion for games. Sean Layden would talk about games like they were a fine wine yeah. at PlayStation Experience at the keynote yeah. speeches. Jim Ryan would disrespect games and say who wants to play these the only games jim ryan wants people to know about are are games
0: that make money the quadruple a multi gazillion dollar games like everything else doesn't matter to jim ryan or at least he if it does matter to him he's never made it known that it matters to him
1: right yeah and and i mean anytime you would see the guy he's wearing a suit Right. opposite sean layton right sean layton was always wearing a t-shirt featuring yeah, a game like a classic game
0: usually yeah but some a lot of times they were seen as like hints as to right like maybe yeah he, he incorporated them out. and into his marketing yeah. people people would be like speculating like oh my god he's wearing this shirt at this place and that just
1: makes him you know thousands of times more interesting than Jim right. Ryan. just yeah. that alone more likable
0: um, you know, he, he knows that people are speculating on a shirt, so he's having fun. right? Like, he's having a good time exactly. he's the boss. Exactly. You know, and you can feel that. You know, that was a special time for PlayStation. They had a couple other key people there. Adam Boys, Gio Corsi, yep. um, Shu Yoshida had a more prominent role at the time. Now he's focused on indies, which I think is a good role for him. Um, I thought maybe if Sean was stepping down, they would have gave that to Shu Yoshida, But, um, no, Jim Ryan, the guy from England that nobody cared for, got the job. I don't
1: think he ever really had
0: a fan following. No, no, never. Like, I saw articles talking about why, why are gamers celebrating... Jim Ryan's right, retirement Right You know And you know They had to break it down And explain it And he's just had a lot of gaps Over the years
1: He's just got that Wall Street personality About yeah, him Yeah yeah. You know?
0: he just I uh, can't stand him Absolutely can't stand him
1: But uh, you, you actually met
0: Sean Leiden Yeah I did Several years ago Like you had like Some A significant
1: amount Of one on one time With him uh, I've met him twice in person
0: well yeah we Uh, met him together briefly at playstation experience one of the years i think the year it was in
1: san francisco we met him together yeah okay then i met him three times oh okay um so the first time i met him was at an undisclosed developer conference okay and um he was at the bar at the at this hotel and I just sitting alone at the moment, or no, he was sitting with someone. That person got up and left. Okay. And I was, all I could think about at this point in time was the game I was working on, and this is my moment, you know, and just looking around, trying to meet anybody I could by myself, right. you know, yeah. with everything at my disposal just being my own personal knowledge. Um, and I saw Sean Layden sitting there, and I just walked up and sat down and played dumb. Yeah. Just played dumb, ordered myself a beer, <laughs> and, you know, I ended up talking to him. And, and did he approach you, or did... He... Uh, no, I approached him. Oh, you did. Yeah, okay. I straight up went and and told, you know, just asked him, you know, hey, how's it going? Uh-huh. You know, nice place, basically. Right. And, he, yeah, we just started talking about games, and he st- started hitting me with, like, interview questions almost. It was oh. kind of a weird... Not weird in a bad way, but... Like, he really... It was, like, a little intimate, maybe. Right. Uh, you know? Hitting me with questions like, why do you make games? Mm. You know, like, philosophical. I had answers for all these right. questions. Because it's stuff I had... Right. You know, I had actually thought about. But, uh, yeah, it was crazy. And then I ended up showing him my teaser trailer for, for Seraphim. And, you know, he loved the art style. And uh, later on, when I met him again at PlayStation Experience... I flashed my business card with the character on it, uh-huh. and he remembered me that way. Okay. So he didn't remember my face, but he <laughs> remembered my character. Um, How long were you, like, sitting with him at the bar? Uh, it was probably 45 minutes to an hour. Wow, that... Just one-on-one. He was sipping $18 martinis, <laughs> like three of them, and uh, I, I was drinking Stone, Stone, I think. okay. And, uh, that was, yeah, that was a crazy experience. I
0: mean, other developers must have been, like, wandering around
1: being like, oh my god, this guy, he's got, like, this monopoly on Sean right now. <laughs> I don't know what everyone else was doing. I think they were all checking into their rooms, because they were all staying at that hotel. Oh, okay. What ended up happening was, that night, we were at a brewery for the pre-party, Okay. and we, uh... Everybody met up there. I ended up staying at a Motel 8 because I was cheap and broke (laughs) and uh, took an Uber to the brewery because I didn't want to take my car. Uh, Yeah, I I decided while I was down there I would, you know, Uber around. Um, So I Ubered to this brewery, met people there, kind of came to realize that the people at this event weren't going to be who I thought they were going to be. What did you think they were going to be? People from bigger developers oh, and publishers okay. and stuff. So it was mostly It was mostly like, people like me. Like solo devs or small groups? Not Not... Some solo devs uh, sprinkled in, but mostly development teams... Like 10, that, that, 15 people. Yeah, 10, 15 people that make games for the A companies and AAA okay. companies. Um, but, uh, yeah, so they all... PlayStation had a shuttle to take them all from the brewery back to the hotel. I just got on the shuttle. I didn't have any business going to the hotel. Maybe
0: Sean Layton will let you sleep in his room.
1: (laughs) I I didn't ask. Oh, too bad. But, uh, yeah, so um, that was a really just harrowing experience for me. Really? Were you, like... Crapping your pants? No, I don't say I was crapping my pants. I think it was too euphoric and also okay. buzzed enough okay. to like be numb, I okay. guess, to the reality of. So you, see, of you just you were you?
0: Did it take the beers that you ordered at the counter, or were you? Like... No, I
1: was. I just came back from a brewery. Oh, oh okay. So I was already oh, okay. And know. then you got another beer. Yeah, gotcha. Just, okay, yeah, yeah. As an excuse now. to, right. yeah. Um, yeah, I know I'm not doing everything in chronological order here, but yeah. Uh, so I had no business going back, getting on that shuttle, really, but I did. You I, you have his business card, don't you? I do. Wow, I, I that's do. like
0: a collectible. Dude. Yeah. Oh yeah.
1: You could get that graded. I should. <laughs> yeah. Um, a grading—that's a topic for another time. Dude, yeah, they grade anything these oh, yeah. days. <laughs> um, but yeah. So do you w- actually still have it? Yeah, I have it. I couldn't tell you where it's at right now, but it's in a stack of business cards. Oh, man, you need to find that, dude. Yeah. That's that's like a, a cool little piece of yeah. history oh, right yeah. there. Yeah, I might frame it, <laughs> <laughs> actually. Um, I can't say I have a PlayStation president that I like more than Sean Layden. He's...
0: Yeah, I mean, before him, it was that Jack Tretton guy. Right. I don't know if you remember him too much. I remember... He was responsible at the time Remember that Kevin Butler, the fake President of Playstation, who they did all these commercials With this guy called Kevin Butler mm-hmm. uh, they, they, they were Very funny commercials I think so, no? it okay. sounds vaguely familiar. Alright, well that was like the PS3 era Was Jack Tretton and his Fake CEO, Kevin Butler Who appeared in all these commercials and It was an actually a pretty cool marketing Campaign, I'll be honest, I liked it a lot But, I mean, Jack Tretton was responsible for Sony when it was at its lowest. It went from the PS2, which just had astronomical sales numbers and software numbers, to the PS3, which was... And, again, I don't blame Jack Tretton for that. These are decisions being made in Japan. Right. And he wasn't involved in it. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure they were eager to see him go. Oh, yeah. um, And install someone else. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, okay, so let's move on to another topic of the news this week. So, the Pokemon Company entered into a collaboration with the Van Gogh Museum, I believe, in Amsterdam. And part of this collaboration it was in Cologne. Cologne? Uh, no, I don't oh, think that's true. You're thinking of Gamescom. My bad. Yeah, uh, this is the Van Gogh Museum is in Amsterdam and uh part of this collaboration was uh special merchandise and if you bought some of this special special merchandise you could get this uh exclusive pikachu promo card where he's painted like a van gogh painting the self-portrait of van gogh and his gray felt hat um and so needless to say people were excited because this is a really cool promo um they, Pokemon Company did something like this years ago in Japan. What's the name of that famous... the artist who did The Scream? Van Gogh. No, that's not Van Gogh. That's a... It's, his name's like Edward or something like that. Um, the Scream wasn't Van Gogh. Okay. Never mind. Maybe so,
1: I'm thinking of a different painting then.
0: Okay, so they did... Um, they did a painting with like an artist in their art style previously, and so this is the second one they've done like this. This is the first time it's been in like a western part of the world. So this collaboration is like exclusively for Europe, parts of Europe I should say, and uh, the US, Canada, and the UK were also given access to some of this special special merch unfortunately the demand was insane for this merchandise more so because for everything you purchased you would get a card alongside it um so at the amsterdam museum or the museum in amsterdam there wasn't a card for making a purchase but they have their own set of exclusive merchandise there and there are videos of the opening day at that museum and it is pandemonium people are like practically stampeding each other to grab this merchandise. Yeah. And then to get the card, you had to do, like, a
1: little art walk thing
0: around the museum or something like that.
1: These are the promo cards that end up, like, hitting thousands of dollars and stuff later down the road.
0: Maybe. Maybe. I think I think there's a lot more of these promo cards than people realize, and anybody who bought one on eBay really quickly is probably regretting it, because they were selling for, like, four, or $500. Oh, wow. When they first came out. But now they're only going for like 100 bucks, and I think that's going to drop even more as people start getting their shipments from the Pokemon Center. So last week, um, the Pokemon Center was supposed to... Pokemon Center is like their online store for Canada, the U.S., and the U.K. They also have physical Pokemon Center stores in Japan, but in the West, they're only um, online. Uh, there's no physical store anywhere. There used to be a long time ago in New York New City. New York, yeah. But that got rebranded to the Nintendo store. And now there's just like a section that's Pokemon there. Okay. Um, but uh, the merchandise was supposed to go on sale on Thursday. For some reason, the only thing that went up for the briefest moment was the Van Gogh Pikachu plush. Mm-hmm. Where Pikachu's wearing like this uh, this straw hat that Van Gogh, I guess, used to wear. Kind of like his uh, little motif Tribute to Van Gogh. And uh, it was gone within like five minutes. Yeah. I managed to get one of those orders in thanks to some people I was following on Twitter that posted about it. Um, but I sent the link out to friends like you. And I know you tried to get one and you had no success. And then they pulled the listing for the plush. Yep. And nothing else went on sale. Literally, that day. page not found. Yeah. Like, it's gone. It, so, fast forward a day they finally around eight o'clock just drop all the merch online and it is a complete crap show all of the items the website's constantly crashing you can't add things to cart you add things to cart you try to check out you get an error it just will not work no matter what um i managed to get an order for the poster sets after several attempts and Rick managed to uh, get, I think, a deck box or something. Or I managed to get a deck box order for Rick so he could hopefully get one of those cards. So none of those items have shipped yet, and this is going to be news to Rick, but I got an email last night that my poster order was canceled. What? Yes. And I was not the only person. People all over... Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it, on all kinds of places were posting that all their orders were getting canceled. So thankfully, or at least so far, your order hasn't shipped. The deck box order hasn't shipped, but it hasn't been canceled yet. But I would not remain optimistic yeah. that it's going to survive. Uh, I'm suspecting because I placed that order after I placed my poster order. Mm-hmm. So, if I had to guess, that's probably going to get canceled too. Okay. Um so yeah, they they have they did, have they, if, did they, Okay, did they make a statement? Like They they do have a statement and I have that statement right here. Um it's it's the merchandise is gone. That's what they've said. The merchandise is all gone. But okay. they have Pikachu cards. Okay. <laughs> the Pikachu promos, the thing that most people want more than anything. Right. Um so let me read their statement. We apologize to all the fans eagerly awaiting our Pokemon Center Van Gogh collaboration release today. Due to overwhelming demand, all our products from this collection have sold out. We understand this is disappointing to many of who are looking to our official email and social media channels for guidance on how and when to purchase. We are actively working on ways to provide more Pikachu with Grey Felt hat promo cards for fan shopping at Pokemon Center in the future. Details will be released at a later date. Thank you for your understanding and continued support. Right. So not only did they piss everybody off who couldn't get an order in, right? now they're pissing off so many people who did manage to get an order in because they didn't create enough merchandise. I mean, this is the world's premier brand. Like, there is no brand... Bigger than Pokemon. No,
1: and I th- they don't understand. It's this isn't like year two of Pokemon either. No, you know they. How do they not know how to run a campaign?
0: How do they not make enough merchandise? I mean, I get it. Their website gets slammed. It's a pain to place an order. Uh, sure, but like, why did you make such a tiny amount of merchandise? Right,
1: exactly. And and what is this? Like, send everyone who you canceled or ordered for. You know, send them a card.
0: Right, that's all they had to do. Now, what's funny is that some people who placed an order for one of the Van Gogh items and happened to include a second item that was unrelated to the Van Gogh collection mm -hmm. are receiving their orders with the promo card, even though the Van Gogh item was canceled. not there. That's weird. Yeah. So, I guess... For some reason, they're, like, willing to send a promo card if you actually bought something, but if nothing in your order was paid for, then you lose all of it, which is kind of a bummer.
1: That, um, yeah,
0: that's... dude... Now, thankfully, I did get my plush, and I do have my promo card. But I don't get mine, right? You don't have yours, at least not yet. I mean, there's still a, a smidge of hope, uh, because... The order I placed for you isn't canceled, uh, but um, I'll let you know. But I'm I'm expecting it to get canceled. All right, great. But, you know, what's interesting is that in the past, when they've done these promo card distributions on the website, they usually have people enter their email onto some website, and then they eventually email you a code that you can, like, use for six months, and you can redeem it on the website for as if you spend $20 or more, Type this code. Type this promo code in, and we'll include the promo with your order. So why they just didn't do that to begin with? Why are people who successfully placed an order for like 20 Van Gogh items getting 20 Pikachu Van Gogh promo cards? Like right. that's ridiculous. Yeah, that is... These people are just buying the items for the cards. They can sell most of their ex- excess cards to pay for all their merch ten times over. Right. Um, I don't know. Just a really big mess from Pokemon. And uh really they gotta do better. Yeah,
1: that's not acceptable at all to now, anyone.
0: This this collaboration with the Van Gogh Museum goes until like I think it said like February or March of next and year. And they're already out
1: of merchandise? Yeah, they
0: said they're done. Well, I but, mean the museum is going to continue to get merchandise, but the Pokemon Center, I mean, they said it all of the merchandise is gone. All products from this collection have sold out.
1: And we can't possibly Make produce more? more. Yeah. I mean, it's it's
0: kind of absurd. And they should have limited it to just one promo card per order, including a Van Gogh thing. Or including a piece of Van Gogh merch. Right. Like, why? Because that's why it's all sold out so quickly. Because people added 50 things to cart
1: and then get their order with 50 cards. That's... That's not how that should be handled. I, I agree. Like, completely. have the card come with the Pikachu plush, and that's it. And well, you, or I mean, something.
0: no, just just if you order any Van Gogh items at all, you get one card you get, with yeah, your order.
1: Not so one like, per item. Yeah,
0: so that way it didn't it wouldn't encourage people to buy more than you know a couple items at most. Right. You know, uh, so it, you know, I I don't know, just uh, just. It's unbelievable Yeah, it they are making like, I, such a rookie mistake. Just very... They really bungled that. Really I mean, bad. I think because of what they saw on Thursday, the crazy demand. They saw the website getting overloaded with... Uh, everybody thought the merch was going to drop at 9, and the only thing that did drop was the plush. Um and then so they just said they didn't say anything they they put a little notice on their support site saying like the merchandise is still coming stay tuned and yeah. then they never said anything to the public they never posted on social media they never sent out an email that i'm sure they had ready to send out they just dropped it without saying a word and just i guess they just washed their hands of the situation and just what happened happened that's
1: oh, man, that, yeah that's not right
0: all right, so in sa- even sadder news than Pokemon promo is <laughs> not being delivered. Yeah, so yeah, go ahead. Uh, Yoshitaka Tamaki has died. Now that's a name that most people are not gonna know. I didn't know it. I knew his work, uh, but I didn't know his name. Um, he was fifty five. He died of lung cancer. Uh, I mean, this is just speculation, but smoking is pretty big in Japan, right? It and so, I mean, no doubt. Yeah, he's probably a and lifelong. Big smoker. with big with artists. Oh too. yeah, definitely. Um, and he's known for being one of the fathers, specifically of the Shining series, which mm-hmm. uh, got its start uh, on the Sega Mega Drive, I believe.
1: Yep. Genesis in the United States. Genesis
0: in the United States. But,
1: uh, yeah, Shining Force 1, 2, and 3, I think. He was was like a
0: character designer. He had a pretty unique uh, design style. It had like a definitely gritty, hand-drawn sort of anime-inspired and, you know, definitely recognizable. Um, He hasn't been super active in the last... Mm, couple decades so I much i think 2008
1: was really kind of when he dropped off a little bit okay uh the last thing he designed to my knowledge was a handbag with, right like, he did like some kind of illustration
0: there's this really great retrospective uh of his career on uh net and uh something I should mention as an aside is that I'm going to be posting a a companion blog for every episode on our website. That's the-bitbeacon.com So sometime shortly after uh, each episode drops, there's going to be a blog post and it'll have links to a lot of these stories, pictures from some of the things that we've been to.
1: And there should be a link to the website in the description or whatever. Of the podcast, yeah.
0: you, You should be able to find that there. Uh, but Rick, if you'd like to speak to his career a little more I know you're kind of the, the Sega guy out of the two of us
1: Yeah, so he was an artist uh, that um, His most notable thing is still Shining Force and Landstalker um, but He he has several other franchises that, that he's responsible for uh, He started off with uh, So back in the day, Enix Enix got started as a company in '75, but they were okay. making tabloids for real estate. Mm. Um, they didn't start publishing games until '82, okay. Um, and this is kind of a big thing in Japanese gaming history. But Enix used to do when they first started with publishing games uh, contests for okay. like hobbyist developer contests. Okay. And uh, if you won one of these contests, en- there was a Enix would give you a cash prize and also publish your game uh, as an Enix title. Okay. And um, this was a pretty gritty um, very early a lot of hobbyist type developers a lot of Eroge titles um, in, mm. in these That's like these uh, games. Yeah. erotic Right, video erotic. Games. Um, and um, a lot of legends came out of this came out of these, these contests. Um, he, he was one Tamaki was one yeah. Um, another was uh, Yuji Horii. Yeah, I've read this about him before. And, and Koichi Nakama, or Nakamura, who's, y- whose company was Chunsoft. Right, Yuji Horii is the creator of Dragon
0: Quest. Both of them together right. created Dragon Quest. Uh, I mean, so, I mean, talk about Japan's most long-lasting video game series yes. still to this day. And, and that's
1: how Dragon Quest became an Enix franchise. Right. Um, uh, 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 the Orogi stuff is a, a lasting memory on these contests. Um, and you'll get a lot of like twisted headlines. Uh, that time that Square Enix published porn games. I mean, you'll Nintendo, see that. Kind of yeah, it's Nintendo used to do some interesting. It's things not too. Qu- not quite the case. Right. But uh, um, yeah. So, uh, Tamaki, um. Ended up from doing these contests working for Enix. Okay. And while working with uh, Enix, he met uh, Khan Naido and Hiroyuki um, Takahashi. Okay. They uh, ended up creating Climax. And Climax is the developer that uh, Tamaki, where the mean potatoes of his career oh, okay. with Shining Force and, and Landstalker and stuff like that.
0: Yeah, it's interesting.
1: His career seemingly didn't last for too
0: long. Like where he was like super active in game development, like maybe fifteen to twenty years. Right. Um. I, I've always wondered what what happens to these guys when they stop making games. Where do they go? Like what what? I, like I've wondered. Like sometimes you look at old like game credits and these people they were in the industry for ten years or so. Right. And then they just kind of fell off the face of the planet.
1: Yeah, and that's a really good question.
0: Um, like, I guess they could have gone into, like, software development or
1: something like that. We have examples of game developers and game designers like, um, Sakaguchi. We see him that's spending him a lot of time with his family and stuff. Right. You know, um, that's... You don't... I don't know how much he does, like, at Mistwalker these days. I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't do know that Mistwalker is much of anything at yeah. the moment. Um... So if I had to guess an answer to your question, I'd say they just spend time with their families. And I know, but like not
0: everybody is Hironobu Kojushi. Right. Not everybody has made like massively acclaimed franchises and games where right. they have like probably a tidy. Well, in Tamaki's case,
1: he was working on some books and stuff like that. Okay. He did stuff outside of video games,
0: but he was mostly an illustrator, right? He was, yeah. So he probably just did he was graphic design jobs. For he was pretty much
1: places. totally an illustrator. Right. Um uh, I don't know. He did
0: design like character portraits, like pixel art portraits and things like that and did monster design. Right. I think I was reading. Oh
1: games. yeah, he did do sprite sprite art right. and stuff like that. Um most character designers are gonna be from this era are gonna right. be doing that.
0: I think he—he he also, you know, his illustrations are. I think what a lot of people recognize his art from. Yes, like the covers for games. Yeah, it's extremely
1: recognizable. A
0: lot of his games, their covers, they weren't. Uh, here in the states we got like alternate covers that was pretty common at the time they would make like a very western version because they didn't think like Americans were ready for right or that we wanted
1: that or we understood it I Uh, think look at the original cover for like Dragon Quest Right, Shining Force is a great uh, like Shining Force Genesis covers are a great example of what you're talking about they look nothing like (laughs) the game or the characters in the game Um, they look like some 80's American film. Heavy metal. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, yeah. That's a good point. Um, but yeah, his art style is extremely recognizable. Um, I would compare him that way to, um, I'm drawing a blank on the name, but Kingdom Hearts... Uh, character design? Uh, Nomura. Yeah, Nomura, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's more than a he's like the
0: the guy in charge of everything for Kingdom Hearts. You're right, yeah, he does do all the character design. I see Nomura.
1: With respect to art styles, I would compare him. He's about as recognizable. Okay. Like I was going to say, I mean, like at the time, Akira Toriyama, the creator
0: of like Dragon Ball Z, he was doing art for Dragon Quest at the time. Right, like probably about the same time he was doing, or uh, around the same time, uh, Tamaki. Was doing his art, right. um, obviously. Totally different levels of success there. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. The Shining series is pretty niche, uh, but you know it's it goes still back though. It gets like, game. Yeah. It's. I think maybe during sometime during the PS4, Shining did get a new game. Oh yeah. I don't think um, Shining Soul something. Yeah. I don't think Tamaki was involved at that point. No. Uh, they were using a different artist. I forget at what
1: point in the that franchise he dropped off. Yeah. But it, yeah, it was. Uh, I think after it's like four. during the Game Boy
0: Advance era, he yes. did some remakes that he was involved with. Right. But uh, anyways, uh, you know our condolences to Yoshitaka Tamaki's family and all those who loved his work. Um, you know, this is something we we'll, we'll try to highlight. Um, you know, the the industry is getting older.
1: Yeah, um, that's something that we you know people need to think about. who were
0: making games in the seventies and eighties are a lot of them are now 50, 60, 70 years old. Um, And there's a lot of uh, important contributors to the early days, and most of them are forgotten. Right. And Tamaki was someone who was largely forgotten.
1: My my phrase, I guess, is that not all legends are famous. Definitely. You know, he was definitely a legend, whether you think The Shining series is significant or not. Right. I mean, it was... Sega Zelda in a way. Basically,
0: uh, well, not, they had a couple of those, yeah, but yeah, Fantasy yeah. Star is yeah. another one. That's true. Um, all right, so uh, moving on from Tamaki, may he rest in peace. Yes. <laughs> um, we have uh, some news out of Naughty Dog. Now, this isn't this isn't news that Naughty Dog wants you to read about. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> but there's been some news that uh, has come out regarding some stuff going on internally at the studio. Um, there's actually several things uh, that have happened over the last week. Um, last year, I believe it was at Summer Games Fest in Los Angeles, uh, Naughty Dog announced they were doing a, a new Last of Us multiplayer game. And this was, this was supposed to be like a live service, uh, kind of persistent multiplayer but also had like a story component to it as well and um you know this is their sequel to factions but they went like really big like this is going to be like a standalone game you know factions was a attacked on multiplayer mode to the original last of us when at that time on the ps3 it was very popular for every big single player game to have like a tacked-on multiplayer mode. Yep. Some of these multiplayer modes were actually pretty fun. I would recommend uh, Assassin's Creed multiplayer mode as being very, very unique. There's nothing else like it on the market. And then others were just kind of more straightforward, like Tomb Raider. Uh, the reboot had a multiplayer mode tacked on. Uncharted, starting with Uncharted 2, had a multiplayer mode tacked on. We know someone who was really,
1: really into Uncharted's multiplayer mode. Yes, we do. <laughs> um, I'll also say that there was a time, like an era, for a minute there, where we all, everyone, I think, almost thought that multiplayer was the future, right? Like single, single player, player was going to go yeah. away,
0: you know. Um, and honestly, the thinking hasn't changed too much. The kinds of multiplayer modes, right. you know, they're not really additional multiplayer modes. They're like shifting to a whole new model, and that's what. Naughty Dog was trying to do with this The Last of Us multiplayer game and um, apparently earlier this year Bungie uh, who makes Destiny and previously made Halo um, you know they were acquired by Sony last year and I guess one big reason Sony wanted them was not just to have the Destiny IP bringing in revenue for them Mm -hmm. but for their expertise in crafting a very successful live service game they want to use their talents and their uh, their keen eye for what works in the lives uh, the live service sphere right. um, to examine like projects being built uh, at PlayStation at their various studios and apparently Bungie told Naughty Dog this is garbage yeah right like and so now fast forward a few months that that came out earlier this year uh, and recently there was a report that came out can't remember what outlet posted about it, but um, their source at Naughty Dog says that the Last of Us live-service multiplayer game is on ice, and that's a quote, on ice, and that effectively means it's not canceled, but it's not being worked on right now. Right. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if maybe like whenever it's... they make The Last of Us 3, maybe they go back to it
1: and try to like salvage stuff out of it. I think the illusion is that like it's being preserved in ice. Like, so it doesn't die or something? Yeah. Um, You know, maybe
0: there's a a very small team tinkering away at it. Right. Just trying to, like, uh, maybe not even, like, from a gameplay standpoint, but just, like, figuring out how to make it work, how to make it compelling, Mm -hmm. how to get players to come back to it. And, you know, that's because that's what a live service game is about because it's very likely that they're going to either push, like, very constant expansions to get players to continue to spend on the game or it's going to have like microtransactions which the previous like uncharted multiplayer modes and I think faction had microtransactions
1: where you could get like different shirts and things like that Right, or it could be the Bungie told them that their tactic or strategy was too aggressive with you know maybe yeah I mean I feel like that's something you could probably scale back
0: without like having to like Start from scratch, uh, it, it, unless it's a design thing. Like maybe that. I mean, Bungie these days. The Destiny I haven't. I used to be really into Destiny, like Destiny One. I have like something like eighteen hundred hours logged into that game, which is just absolutely insane. Right. Destiny Two, I fell off hard. I beat the first raid on the hardest difficulty. I got the platinum trophy, and then I was like, I'm never touching this game again. And uh, from what I understand. I don't know, some people seem to be happy with where the game is at now, other people not so much. They do seem to really rely heavily on player spending now more than ever, Mm -hmm. like there's these seasons you gotta like keep purchasing, there's expansions you gotta keep purchasing, whereas like with the first Destiny... It was like maybe you'd spend forty, fifty dollars a year on the game yeah. uh, as they added new content. But now it's like they're expecting you know like the hardcore players to be spending hundreds of dollars on the game. Every Everything year.
1: everything's going in that direction. Consoles even are kind of going in that direction with like Xbox wanting you to buy Game Pass. It's just yeah, that's like the direction. I mean it it is, but
0: I feel like the amount of games that actually find an audience to stick around long enough for more than a year are really small like I see way more live service games fail than I do succeed and mm-hmm. it's crazy that so many studios are still taking a chance on crafting a live service game because 9 out of 10 times you're not going to fail but the financial reward if right. you succeed and you create the next big live service game right. I guess it's just too tempting for these people
1: or it's just a it's just a mindset. It's just an industry mindset that this is the state of games right now and this is what we need to do and this is what all the successful companies are doing. I think that's really where it comes from. It's not as well thought out, I think, as you're saying. I think it's just, who's being successful? What are they doing? Oh, live service games? We need to make a live service game. It's literally just... But, I mean, there are reports that Sony is making,
0: in the background, making more live-service games than they are making single-player games at this point. Right. Even, apparently, like, Insomniac is working on a live-service game, even though they they have their Spider-Man game coming, they have a Wolverine game coming. Um, Insomniac's busy making single-player games, but, apparently, every studio at Sony is practically working on a live-service game. that's probably
1: Jim Ryan's PlayStation.
0: Probably. Um, And I would be scared if, like, you know, the next five years of games that I have coming out are right. all live service games. Yeah. You know, when when you say live service, that means eventually, no matter what, even if it's successful for five, ten years, it's eventually gonna, these games are gone. It's gone, yeah. And yeah. that means, like, preservation-wise, there will be no way to play these games anymore. Yeah, if it's uh, live,
1: that means it's going to die. Yeah, one if it's day.
0: online only, like, if you have to be connected to play... Then, you know, th- and that's what live service means. Um, then eventually these games are going to be gone. So, yeah. what legacy will there be? Again, wh- with like all
1: your games coming up are live service. I feel like we got into this a lot last episode, and yeah. this kind of really ties in to yeah. our digital versus physical discussion and stuff. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. Stuff that's on servers goes away. Yeah.
0: I don't know. So, Sony.
1: Naughty Dog.
0: I mean, we got Premier Studios that are known for making prestige
1: single-player games. Right. Get, get right. them. Get them on that live service. Yeah. Like, why?
0: Why? Why would you take yeah. them away from that? Uh, so that's just the first piece of news coming out of Naughty Dog this week. Um, another one is uh, Naughty Dog has apparently quietly laid off a bunch of their contract workers specifically seemingly out of the quality assurance department um since these are contracted workers none of them got severance and at the same time naughty dog is telling them be quiet don't say anything about Mm -hmm. you being let go and that seems to be a theme a lot in the industry there's a lot of quietly letting
1: go of portions of studios right now right and this is you probably already said this but uh this is connected to the like on ice. Bit? I mean, perhaps it is. Perhaps it is. Um, maybe because
0: that the multiplayer game is on ice, you would think with a live service game, they probably do have an army of testers for something like that. Right. And if the game is officially like no longer a priority, no longer a focus for Naughty Dog right now, then yeah, I could see a large chunk of their quality assurance. People no longer being required at the moment at the studio, which is unfortunate, and you know it just makes me think about how unstable the games industry is. Like you almost got to be insane, yeah, to try to work there. Oh yeah, like studios are constantly closing, constantly hiring, constantly firing. I mean, a lot of these devs, like the low mid level devs, they got to be like moving to a new city, a new state, a new country. Seemingly every couple right. of years, and yeah, just
1: required to relocate. It's
0: how do you do that if you have
1: a family? Yeah, yeah, because you're you're putting that on your your wife and kids. Like yeah. you know, they didn't choose it, or I, your husband and kids. Right. Sorry. <laughs> I'm th- no, I'm thinking, you're of, thinking from your perspective. Yeah, from I my gotcha. perspective. I know. I'm just giving you a hard time. But um, the you know the, that's I want to know what these people's contracts were. That's kind of my question. I like, mean,
0: they were contract
1: workers. Right. So, they
0: weren't actually Naughty Dog employees. No, I'm
1: saying, yeah, they were hired subcontractors. I right. want to know what their roles were. What area were they working S- in? Supposedly, quality assurance, the majority of these people. Okay.
0: So... Well, d- does that
1: include, like, testers or...
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. Just, I mean, that's generally what quality assurance... Right. ...entails.
1: But, um... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know. I got nothing to say. You lost me at multiplayer, dude. I lost you at multiplayer. Okay, yeah. well, um,
0: so Naughty Dog's letting people go, um, but that doesn't mean they don't have anything going on. Um, they uh, Recently, an employee of Naughty Dog on his LinkedIn page uh, posted that he's working on The Last of Us 2 Remastered. Of course. Of course he is. <laughs> now, this is a game that just came out three years ago at the very tail end of the PlayStation 4, um, and it's a stunning game. Like, it, it it looks like it could be a PlayStation 5 game. It puts a lot of high-end PlayStation 5 games to shame because Naughty Dog is just on another level. Yeah. Oh, There's yeah. almost nobody that can match them, especially in terms of uh, just beautiful animations. Um and, uh... So, yeah, wh- that's what that's what the next game from Naughty Dog...
1: This is the part of Naughty Dog, as much as we love them, Uh this is the part of Naughty Dog that I kind of... that rolls the, my eyes in the back of my head a I mean, bit. Like, are we
0: even gonna get a new Naughty Dog game on PlayStation 5 at this rate? Like, that's questionable. If they're just starting... If, like, what what their devs are mostly working on right now is... The Last of Us Two remastered. Mm-hmm. I mean, triple quadruple A games at this point take like five years to develop. Right. That means if we're getting a new Naughty Dog IP or The Last of Us Three or Uncharted Five or whatever, you know, it's probably not going to come out until the very tail end of PlayStation 5's lifespan, which is crazy to think about. Yeah. You know, they last year they gave us the Last of Us One remastered. Um, or they call it now, they call it The Last of Us Part 1, remastered for PlayStation 5.
1: Yeah, it's. I, I kind of feels like Last of Us came out like the first, the original that Last of Us. That 2013. And then the next year, it was remastered. It was remastered and almost that's, immediately that's for just PS4. ridiculous. Now,
0: I can understand, you know, like, hey, you've got a new system, you want to learn what you can do with it let's do like a remastered game to kind of test the waters see what see what we can apl- how we can apply our
1: skills here so like i get why they re yeah but that's a psych- I'm mean, like that's a common thing for right them.
0: i know so the last of us part 1 got its second remaster last year effectively uh, that's you got to be kidding now that's smart from a marketing perspective because yeah. they just had a tv show come out based on the first last of us game <sighs> yeah but i can't uh I can't respect this <laughs> okay that's fair um so yeah we just got more Last of Us coming our way from Naughty Dog um you know the this last decade of their existence aside from one Uncharted game and one half of an Uncharted game mm-hmm. has been all Last of Us and I, I don't know there's a big part of me that I hope they're not making The Last of Us Part 3 I really want to see them either do a new IP or go back to something that they haven't touched in a long time mm-hmm. um You know, I don't know. I'm a little The Last of Us out.
1: Yeah. Um, They're still holding some legendary IPs that they're just not touching. Yeah. Um, I mean, personally, I'd love to see, like, I don't know.
0: Naughty Dog's been a lot of places, but they haven't been to space yet. Right. I could see, you know, something really cool set in space from Naughty Dog. Although space is pretty hot right now. Supposedly Sony Santa Monica is working on some kind of a sci-fi game. Bethesda just had their new sci-fi game come out right. Starfield um so i don't know maybe maybe they may, might be oversaturated with sci-fi stuff by the time yeah not or, or at least new, at I least think.
1: space sci-fi yeah
0: but uh, man i just have a hankering for i mean the last of us is so draining to play mm-hmm. like it's it's very emotional right. it's very it's scary it's a lot it's, to, tense. it's a lot to take yeah it like it hits you hard and yeah. I don't know why i just want to go back to the fun mayhem and murder of uncharted right <laughs> bring us
1: a new jack and dox yeah
0: know. i don't i don't know i need something a little more lighthearted from yeah. naughty dog i, I don't agree. Know. it's just uh it's so draining uh playing the last of us all right you want to take a quick break sure let's take a quick break we'll be right back guys thank you all right we're back from our brief break uh thanks for joining us still um, we're going to just kind of talk some theoretical stuff right now. Some stuff that's, you know, unconfirmed. Yeah. Um,
1: rumors. Rumors.
0: Uh, but exciting, because it, it is it is time, finally, for Nintendo to start talking about their next console, yes. whatever that may be. And so I just want to start off by talking about what would we, being myself and Rick here, like to see from Nintendo's next console.
1: I'll go first. Um, I really appreciate what they did with the Switch from the Wii U. Um, which was a disaster. Right, which was, but it set the stage. It did. Know, and we don't have the Switch if we <laughs> don't have the Wii U. Exactly. And And, uh, you know, having this versatility between handheld and console... Uh, I think that's the right direction, not just for Nintendo, but for the industry. And we're you know, we going to talk about it later, but PlayStation seems to be trying to go in that direction. Right. Um, and I, I think that most likely it's going to be something else further down that road.
0: Yeah. I mean, we're seeing devices like Steam Deck, and then there's a lot of other portable like, PC devices right. becoming available that... Are really powerful. It
1: can no, run. Th- the other possibility too is VR and uh, mm. more more VR heavy. Not that Switch doesn't have the Nintendo Labo. Right. I mean Nint-
0: Nintendo Labo Labo. I don't know how it's pronounced. I've never heard it pronounced by them. It was like this cardboard right system where you could strap cardboard to your Switch and make <laughs> a a pseudo VR headset. Right. And had
1: designated games, for right? It.
0: Um, and you could, I think, maybe create games for it using like tools that they provided in the software. It was meant to be sort of like a something for like young children to get into like learning about. Uh, there know, was that piano
1: one that you can construct yeah, and stuff yeah. like
0: that. Uh, it was definitely. Pointed towards like a younger audience, kind of introducing them to some new concepts and maybe kind of spark some kind of creative fire in kids, which I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, but I mean, it's not really meant. You know, there's no crazy, interesting experience it's, on there. Yeah, it's not a PSVR. No, you know, equivalent. No. There's no games for it aside right. from like the stuff that came bundled with the cardboard. Right. Um. um
1: so you you think you think Nintendo <laughs> could lean into VR? Um, I'm saying that that's the other possibility. Okay. Really, I think it's going to go in the versatility direction. So um, you
0: think they're mostly going to stay... You think they're going to stay within the hybrid handheld yes. console to TV? Uh, if I had to
1: take an estimated guess, yeah, I think that's going to be the direction. I mean,
0: you would, I would think Nintendo would be foolish to do anything otherwise. Yeah. They had a huge. They have a huge hit on their hands right now. Yeah, Um, it's pretty affordable, um, and just the simplicity of taking it with you when you go. um, I mean, it's not as portable as say the 3DS was, where you could pop it in your pocket.
1: Do we know if the same administration responsible for releasing the Switch is also still currently the Nintendo? administration team. Yeah,
0: Nintendo uh, they don't change too much I mean, Sor- Satoru Iwata had to die right, for there to be a new, I mean, if, if he had stayed healthy, um, I think he would have continued on through the Switch. I mean, he, from what I've read he was responsible you know, for leading the company as the Switch was being developed behind the scenes, you know um, unfortunately he didn't get to live to see the Switch come out
1: right but, um, so for me, that reinforces my theory. I yeah. Think.
0: Um. Yeah. I. I hope it's also the same. I. I it's boring. Right. To just do it again. Right. And just but, do it more powerful. But yeah, it could be better. It could be better. But um, Nintendo, the the one, the one wrench I'll throw in this theory of ours that they'll just make a beefier. More powerful. Maybe it has a couple cool, unique, new features. Mm -hmm. But largely,
1: it's a Switch 2. Right. Um, And that is what the articles and stuff we've seen are calling it. right?
0: Well, Switch successor. Right. Um, The one wrench I could throw in that argument is that Nintendo is known for not doing what people expect it to do. Right. I mean, Nintendo is known for, usually from one generation to the next... Doing something pretty different.
1: They almost have a track record of releasing a super successful console and And then a flop and then another another
0: successful console. So I gotta imagine Nintendo is really stressing their next step. Yes. Like, if it is just another Switch, they're probably scared so much of how they're naming it. Because they saw what happened, they thought we got to keep the Wii branding because the Wii was a huge massive success. Yeah. So let's call instead of the Wii, two we'll call it the Wii U.
1: Right. But then nobody knew what it was. And People thought it was like a peripheral for their Wii. Hindsight's always twenty twenty, but looking back, we can see that the all the advertising, all the marketing for the Wii U, all showed the controller. Yeah. And sometimes the console behind it. Right. And yeah, that is going to lead the general. Public to think that this is a peripheral or something for the Wii, not a new console. Confusing people, you know, and just doesn't didn't have the the tease that the Wii had. So, what if it is just
0: another Switch? Mm -hmm. What do they call it? Oh, I don't know. I mean, this is this is what... It's probably going to be another Switch, let's be honest. Right. That's probably what they're going to do. It's probably going to function very similarly. It might even be backwards compatible with Joy-Cons and Pro Controllers and things like that. Mm-hmm. God, I would hope so. They've sold so many of those different Joy-Con variants and different Pro Controllers to people.
1: Well, we saw that keeping the name scheme that you just talked about with the Wii and the Wii U. We also saw it with the DS and the 3DS. Right. You know, so if I'm going to go based on history, they might call it like the Super Switch or something like that. See, that doesn't tell me it's a new Switch. That tells me, that
0: could tell me it's like the DSI, Right. you know, right. Switches. Uh, so, I don't know, in my head, if they keep, I think they could keep the same form factor and not even call it the Switch. They could just have a whole new name for it. Right. Or if they do want to keep the Switch branding because people know it, people love it, it's got to be Switch Nintendo two. Switch 2. two right. There's no other way to do this. Yeah. There's no other way to effectively communicate to every single person that this is a new Nintendo Switch.
1: You know, also NES to SNES. You know, is right. the same. This is kind of their format. Right. That's how they've I done mean, it.
0: Super Nintendo Entertainment System. I mean, the idea of them calling it like the Super Nintendo Switch mm-hmm. is kind of a cool throwback. But it also, it sounds kind of kiddy, you right. know, like, uh, or like the Switch Advanced, right? you know. Uh, I really think they just got to keep this really smart and simple. Unfortunately, the public is easily confused because they're not all as paying attention as we are. Right. And you look at Sony, they've named, there's no question, the next PlayStation is going to be the PlayStation 6. Yes. yeah, um, Very you know, predictable. And it's boring, but it works like people understand that this is a new console and this is Nintendo's biggest roadblock and I think there are probably people at Nintendo that are like no we can't call it the Nintendo Switch 2 That's it's not Nintendo Nintendo
1: doesn't do that I don't think they've ever done that
0: have they? no I mean they've They've done a spin on, like, the previous console's name, but they've right. never just straight up put, put a two, number. Yeah. I mean, the 3DS, they put the number in front. Right. But it was technically not the third DS. It was, you know, just a clever way to say that, hey, this thing does 3D. Right.
1: Um, um, yeah, that's not the same. So, yeah, I would say Switch 2 is the wisest choice. Yeah. I don't think it's the choice they're going to choose. Okay, yeah,
0: I mean, I oh man I don't want to see Nintendo hurting I want to see them thriving still right you know because same of course I I mean they still have a massive war chest from the Wii days and certainly the Switch days have been very kind on them
1: I want to see all three console holders uh, do well definitely you know Uh, of course Nintendo has our hearts you know because it's Nintendo yeah um,
0: but remember, they're still a company, a corporation, yeah. like any others. Oh, yeah. Even though I know a lot of people have a fondness for them, you know. They're not our friend. No, they're you know, not. They're they're in the business of making games. And, and money. selling them to, the, to us. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, but uh, what do you think about... Uh, okay, let's say it's Nintendo Switch 2, mm-hmm. but it's not backwards compatible. Uh, is that is
1: that like a death... You know,
0: like like that's it. They're done. This generation is lost.
1: No, um, I okay. So I can. I know it's a hybrid. The switches. Um, I still line it up with my consoles. Okay. Over my handheld. Definitely. Because it is the successor of the console. Right. It just does what the handheld well, does. I mean, the Wii
0: U and the 3DS both went away. Right. And the Switch was born. Right. So. It almost is the successor to both of them in a way.
1: Yeah, but uh, I do.
0: I agree with you. I do see it as more of
1: a home console, yeah, but is, I don't think
0: Nintendo will ever make it. You can say the
1: Switch again. Lite um, goes more in the handles. definitely. It's yes, okay. But um, the Switch
0: Lite, for anybody who doesn't know is a version of the Nintendo Switch that you can't dock and plug into your TV. You can only play it in
1: handheld mode. Right. So, considering that Switch is more of a console, like, in that regard, uh, the GameCube wasn't backwards compatible. No, but the Wii was. The Wii was. Right. um,
0: And the Wii U was. Yes, it was. Yeah, it was. Um, The 3DS was backwards compatible with DS. Nintendo
1: 64 was not. Right. Well, that's because they moved away from cartridges. Right. So, uh, I mean, well, in a
0: portable console... No, no, no. no. Um,
1: Nintendo 64 did not play Super Nintendo Oh, games. no. But I mean, from Nintendo 64 to GameCube, that's right. probably a big reason. <laughs> right, right. Um, um, so but if... It's not... Uh, what I'm saying is that they've had successful consoles. Right. But the competition,
0: Microsoft and PlayStation... Both backwards compatible, right? With their previous generation, right. so PS4 on PS5, and Xbox goes back multiple generations. You can put in, you can put in an original Xbox game into your Xbox Series X and for the time can, being. You can play a game on, we, unless they do away yeah. with, you know, eventually not even having a disc drive anymore. Then that's gone, right? Which we talked about. We talked about last week, um, but I don't know. I think. I think it would be a massive mistake on Nintendo's part. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. A huge mistake. I think it would kill. I mean, I think a lot of people are under the assumption that they're going to be able to put in their Switch game and maybe via a patch, maybe just natively, it will enhance the gameplay. Like some of these games don't, like they target like 30 FPS, right? Right. But they, they, they only maintain like 20, 23, 24, 25, so you plug that game into the next Switch, and if it's running it natively, then it might actually keep that 30 FPS like target through the whole time you're playing it. So a lot of people, I think, are hoping that some of these Switch games they bought that maybe don't play very well on the original Switch might play better on their new right. Switch. Now, what if it is backwards compatible? But because they changed the cartridge slot or, you know, something is different about the cartridge slot, it's only backwards compatible with your digital games.
1: For us... Yeah, that would be horrible. That would be a big bummer. Yeah, that would really stink. I do think backwards compatibility is not... They could still have a successful console generation without it, but it would be a huge... Huge blow to gamers. Yeah, they people would complain. Oh yeah, people would go on Reddit and just light them up. I mean, I, I think
0: it. I think it would take some wind out of their sails, yes. especially initially. I mean, in my opinion, they need to call the Nintendo Switch too. Uh, yeah, it needs to be backwards compatible. I mean, I can't imagine the 3DS was backwards compatible, and they made it so you couldn't stick the 3DS games and the old DS by adding like an extra piece of plastic on the cartridge. Right. I think they can do the same thing with the next Switch.
1: Um, One other spin on that topic before we move on. Their handheld line has always been backwards compatible for the most part. Yeah. For the most part. So if the Switch is supposed to be any kind of spiritual successor to, you know, the Game Boy line and then the DS line... uh, it needs backwards compatibility if if that's the image if that's the idea that they want to sell right um otherwise it's totally a console generation right. you know um regardless of versatility yeah um but yeah that's that's it um according to rumors though um they had shown who's they uh Nintendo oh, okay. had shown at gamescom uh, Which is a uh, a big uh, gaming convention
0: in Germany that in takes place in every In
1: Köln, year. yeah. And um, they had shown in a back room uh, a running demo of Breath of the Wild. Um, running on the new Switch? The new Switch hardware. Oh, okay. And so, uh, yeah. So that where are you has- hearing this from? Well, uh, Eurogamer reported on it, and oh, okay. VCG reported on it, and okay. then other article, you know, other outlets carried that information. Okay. Um, so, what they did was
0: they invited, like, certain partners to come view what the new Switch is going to be graphically capable of, what kind of software it can run. Correct.
1: And um, from the accumulation of information that we have, a demo of Breath of the Wild running at higher frame rate. Okay. Um, and oh, great! That's
0: all we need is for
1: Nintendo to remaster Breath of the Wild right. and sell it that's, to us again. Yeah, that's what we need. I mean, I appreciate their Wind Waker HD release, definitely. Um, but uh, hopefully, we can just plug in right <laughs> our
0: copy of Breath of the Wild and download a patch, or it just like works. Yeah. You know, uh, hopefully. Perfectly. Hopefully. But, uh, I mean...
1: Um, Supposedly also uh, Matrix. I forgot the the full title. uh,
0: There was that Matrix demo that they released uh, back in December of 2020 for, I think, PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X and Series S. It was like a limited-time demo to show off what, like, the new Unreal Engine right. could do.
1: Right. Um, and, and also the hard, console hardware at the time. Right. Which the new Switch is now running. So the supposedly. new
0: Switch can now run this really advanced demanding demo. Yes. Which is pretty damn exciting. Right. Nintendo is normally known for keeping, like, themselves intentionally one step behind the competition uh, in
1: terms of like... I I think it's a like I perceive it as like a company philosophy that big beefy under the hood power isn't required to make fun games, right? And I think that's that's just me, right? That's why Nintendo
0: turns a profit on their consoles at day one, right? While a lot of other companies are like
1: barely breaking even or, or just sometimes losing losing money yeah.
0: by selling consoles, exactly.
1: Now the way that they're allegedly getting this done is uh, using. Uh, DLSS graphics cards, and this is like proprietary Nvidia technology, so, right? Yeah, this is this right? is Nvidia that put this out, and they started putting this out in 2018. Is really when the first DLSS uh, technology started hitting the world, okay? And it hit the world in two games: Battlefield 5 and. Uh, uh, Metro Exodus, but these were probably PC only. They were it was like an exclusive feature. It PC. started on PC as things usually all all games I'm, start on. My PC.
0: understanding is that this isn't even available on PS5 or or, or Series X right now. Right, and, uh, but because Nvidia is making Nintendo's chips, right? Well, this is something that, this is all
1: again rumor, right? Um, but yeah, so the Nvidia RTX. Chips um, are the graphics cards that uh, have. Um,
0: what does DLSS stand for? Okay,
1: so it's Deep Learning Super Sampling, and what it it's very technical. So I'm going to try to dumb it down. Dumb for it, it down. Um, so basically, it it allows the game and the game engine to actually render, and by render I mean calculate, okay. a smaller resolution image. Okay. Right. Video output. Okay. So, it the Nvidia card can sample only a few pixels, uh, and then fill in the unsampled pixels using AI okay. effectively. If you think of CSI, we we've joked about this a lot when they say enhance the image. Right. How that technology doesn't exist. This is basically it. Okay. It uses AI to to you know. Um, fill in the rest of the pixels that okay. that weren't rendered. So taking the load off of the CPU, off of the GPU, um, because if you think about the render pipeline, everything that has to go into calculating all the trigonometry, all the physics, and you know the graphics Mm-mm. pipeline, rendering all that stuff out, is all trigonometry having to happen inside okay. the computer. So if it can calculate less pixels, you're taking a, a big load like the stress off of it, right? And then the graphics card just paints in. Okay, what's not there,
0: really? so it, it can make it look like the next Nintendo Switch is 4K. Exactly.
1: Basically, it, it, it effectively is is 4K. They call it AI upscaling. I guess okay. it's sort of the the colloquial name of the process. Right. It's a real time deep learning. Okay. Uh, again, it's very new new technology. Now, uh, it st- really started in 2018, but in 2020 with 2.0 uh-huh. uh, is when it became compatible for Unity and Unreal. Okay. And so now it is available okay. to developers. Um, but right, because Battlefield
0: is like made in DICE's proprietary Frostbite engine, I believe, so they probably had to build that technology... Right to their engine.
1: Correct. Now I don't know what the like, because so the RTX is a graphics card, and we're currently at the third generation of this technology, okay. believe it or not. Um, RTX four thousand is the current NVIDIA graphics card that supports uh, the third generation of DLSS. Of, of DLSS, um, DLSS also includes a, another process called called DLAA. Which is uh, deep learning anti-aliasing. If you know what aliasing in games is, that's like
0: when edges like it makes them look more smooth rather than all jagged and stuff, right?
1: Yes. um, If you the best like way I could sim like simulate this is if you had like a tile floor in a game, and you look at the tile floor off in the distance, Mm -hmm. you'll see the lines aren't lines; they're like a weird. Web of, okay. you know what I'm saying? Like they're not lined up. The okay. pixels don't line up. Sure. that's aliasing. Okay, that happens in games that don't have anti-aliasing turned okay. on. Or
0: now I've heard gamers complain about anti-aliasing, it can, saying that it makes it look like there's like oil smudged on
1: top of like it can cause some visual effects that are not intended okay. for sure. You okay. like it's that's where like the technical artist really has to come in okay. and be like, hey, this is not gonna we need to tone this down right. for this section I mean, can you design something knowing that it is going to need to be
0: anti-aliasing or it's gonna be need to be anti-aliased Mm-hmm. and that way like you can sort of account for that like effect in e- advance yes and
1: anti-aliasing capabilities or, or camera um components can be turned on right. and off through like code. when needed and not needed exactly right yeah. like during cutscenes when they want things to look
0: really sharp and, A- nice. and cranked up and, down right. and that kind of thing yeah
1: so it so, can be controlled through okay. game code right um, Sometimes
0: I would imagine they maybe even give the player to toggle it off or on or use, like, a slider to determine how much aliasing they want.
1: Exactly. Um, and I imagine that this comes with a bunch of NVIDIA utilities mm-hmm. and stuff that have to go in your game project and have to get, like, accessed right. by the camera Well, stuff. I mean... So
0: these so games will have access to this because they'll all be running on the switch. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the switch doesn't have a graphics card per se, because it's not a PC, right, but it has some kind of a special chip right. made by Nvidia. and it seems to be that they're, according to the rumors, they're gonna be continuing their relationship with Nintendo, right. And I'm sure the switch proved to be very profitable for Nvidia mm-hmm. just due to I mean they've sold well over a hundred million switches at this point right that means Nvidia' is getting a cut of every single one of those in some way or another right
1: and if you think about this technology too it's only been really a, a PC right like that's so far so, yeah. so far yeah it so hasn't
0: entered the console space yet exactly
1: so that's kind of huge
0: like Nintendo's gonna have like
1: yeah. For the first time
0: in a long time, like an actual something, advantage. Yeah. Something that they don't have. It's they not don't.
1: performance. Like right. it's really not. It's faking it. Right. Um, but it's a technological step right. that is more advanced than the competition. Yeah. And this could easily easily I could see, if it's good, becoming the direction of the end of just how games are made. Right. We render, you know, super low 12, you know, 512 by 512 or whatever, uh, and then this thing just ups it. Yeah. Just paints it up. I mean, unfortunately, Microsoft and Sony are kind of stuck with what they've got yeah. for the
0: next, you know... Well, and this is just a NVIDIA thing. It is. So that means if Microsoft and Sony want that, mm-hmm. I don't know if they currently use NVIDIA parts in either of their systems, um, uh, but I, that means they would have to switch components for their right. next... Off Unless the top of my head, I don't competitors know. competitors make something similar, but they might run into trouble well,
1: with patents. Uh, yeah, case. so NVIDIA, I know, holds multiple patents on this technology. Right. One for the anti-aliasing component, one for the, um, the super sampling. The super sampling is what I'm talking about with uh, taking up, like, a small pixel sample size mm-hmm. and then painting up right. to, like, 4K. Right. Um that's crazy it's yeah. like the implications and like
0: we, we were talking about this off mic the other day how um, Nintendo hasn't really had to or maybe it was on mic last week um, they haven't really had to do 4K development yet no and this will essentially make it so they still don't have to do 4K development no
1: they can no, continue I mean, to
0: develop the way
1: down the road it could mean that no one will have to right it, it'll be obsolete it'll right. be like a silly way of doing it right
0: like, why paint more
1: when... Right, why calcu- Why run crazy hardware trying right. to calculate and paint, you know, yeah. actually render out, right. you know, 4,000 pixels. That's insane. Um, so, yeah, this is like a big... I wasn't even aware of the RTX chip before this. Okay. Because uh, I'm not a PC gamer. But... Right, me either.
0: So I know, like I mean, well I used to be a PC
1: gamer. Yeah, I I played PC games. I used to play a lot on PC. I still do,
0: but um, yeah, it just I don't know, and I'm gonna sound like a baby, but like it just got to be too much with parts failing all the time and having to like constantly finagle. And I know people who play PC, they they enjoy that. They like building constantly and upgrading it. And I get it. It's it's module Mm -hmm. or it's got modules, so you can upgrade it without having to like start over with something new right and I definitely see the merits of PC gaming hundred um, percent but for me and I'm gonna sound like an iPhone user I just want something that works yeah I <laughs> I don't want to have to fiddle with it too much
1: yeah and you don't have to worry about like installation issues the same way yeah. with console and for drivers me, getting corrupted yeah and, and stuff like that for me it's about like the controls yeah um, and th- there's a hundred counter arguments to my argument here right. but first of all playing anything with a keyboard and mouse what are you doing
0: i mean depending on the game i can see it but uh, like, yeah I, yeah but as a pc gamer i'd be using a controller as much as i could
1: i just feel like i'm in the computer lab yeah you know playing a game with my class and, uh, right i just right. i can't it
0: takes you back to the 90s yeah i just
1: can't Math lasters. Yeah, exactly.
0: (laughs) Yeah, for me, it's like sitting in an office chair at a desk in front of a... Yeah. It's like it feels... It doesn't feel like I'm playing a game. It feels like I'm in, like, a different mode. Like, I want to be on the couch. And there's nothing stopping someone from hooking a PC up to their TV and playing with a wireless controller.
1: It's just the overall feel Uh, is not the same as a console. I don't know why.
0: There's something special about... A game console. Yeah. A thing that only,
1: only plays games. Yeah, designated machine. I mean, for the most part,
0: you know. Um, but yeah, that's. Uh, okay, so, I mean, that's exciting, man. This is exciting. Nintendo's going to have, presumably, rumored to have, like, a, a, a unique advantage. They're going to be able to maybe compete. Relatively, with a current gen console in a portable format, which is going to seem like impossible when people get it in their hands. I think it's going to potentially blow people away if it is that still that portable you know, drop it
1: into your, drop it on your TV or pick it up and
0: go. Playing in what
1: looks like 4K on a handheld and I don't know how much these chips are going to cost, but if it's by the time this console comes out, if it's down to the point where it's like cheap well, well... They're going to have, like... A, let's talk
0: price. Like, do you think the new Switch is going to continue to be 299 for the for the intro model? That's cheap. That's like, too... That, I think that's too cheap. Yeah. I think if... If they're going to be using some high-end tech, some more expensive components, Nintendo doesn't take a loss.
1: See, I don't know that this is expensive tech. Though, I... It... If, it... It... But it, it doesn't matter if it is expensive or not.
0: It appears expensive, right? It appears very sophisticated. Yeah. So, I mean, I could see Nintendo. I th- I mean, I'll be honest. If right now someone was like pre-order Nintendo Switch Two for three ninety nine, I'm doing it without even like a second. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh yeah. If someone says four forty nine, does that significantly change?
1: I would still do it. I yeah. did it with the PS five. Right. PS five was four ninety nine
0: yeah. from day one. But they had two models. Now Nintendo, maybe they go two models. Maybe they have a digital only model. That seems to be a trend. Yeah. I mean it's smart. It probably I mean it serves their customer there are a lot of people. I mean it's it's like fifty fifty now, you know. Yeah. People who like physical, people who like digital. Um and you know, there there's some of us who are have it like a hybrid where they do both. Right. Um I don't know if it's backwards compatible, I would not want the digital only model. Like I oh, would I mean I'd never not. want it to begin with, but like if that was all I had or if I could only afford that one, that would be really depressing to me. Yeah. Um, well,
1: I mean, okay, let's talk about that. We know that Nintendo keeps wanting to release their same old classics over and over and over and then they want you to subscribe to have access to their old classics so they can keep charging you for them. Yeah. It, it it wouldn't make sense if that's their mentality and that's what they want. It wouldn't make sense to have it just be backwards compatible for free. Right. They would want you to rebuy all that crap on, you know, their eShop or whatever.
0: Yeah, I mean that would be super scummy.
1: Yeah, and that would
0: be so scummy if they're just like, you know, what'll work? They'll just rebuy everything all over again. Yeah, um, you know, well that they have done that. I mean, yeah, they have. When they sell their, when they used to sell their classic games, right? Um, you know, you would buy it on Wii, you would buy it on Wii U, Game you would Boy buy Advance. It on, yeah, I mean that was like at least you're getting a physical product, right. Not just like a digital.
1: But I mean, if you think about this process it goes all the way back to yeah. those days. Yeah. I mean even
0: Super Mario, like they, they had the Super Mario All Star collection on uh Super Nintendo. Yeah. Which you were basically rebuying, at least it was in a collection, all the the previous Mario games on right. the NES.
1: Yeah, they were re releasing like classics even back in Super Nintendo. Yeah. I mean I think it's
0: I don't I don't think we'll hear anything this year, but I think Early next year, Nintendo's going to start talking. Mm -hmm. Nintendo's going to... they got to start letting people know. Yeah. I mean, the industry seems to be anticipating. Just from little, you know, uh, breadcrumbs we've gotten from developers and insiders, people that are actually in the know, that uh, Nintendo Switch is coming next year. Or the the successor is coming next year. Right. Um, So, I mean, if it is indeed coming next year then Nintendo's going to have to start talking about it soon. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, there was a lead-up to the Nintendo Switch coming out from when they unveiled it. I think it was about five or six months. Yeah, and so, um,
1: I mean, you could probably expect this fall or late quarter four next year.
0: Uh, to release, right? right. Yeah, I, I think I think maybe a fall fall release. I mean, the Nintendo Switch came out in... Spring, which is uncommon for game consoles. I mean, handhelds launch in spring Mm -hmm. or late winter. I know the Vita launched in late winter, and 3DS was early spring. But generally, home consoles release in the fall, usually usually a few months before the holiday season. Oh, yeah, always. Um, So I think, you know, the Switch was interesting that it launched in the spring, but I think because the Wii U was dead and done a year before the Switch even came out, it made sense to launch it sooner rather than later, mm-hmm. you know, Nintendo needed some revenue coming in, yeah, um but uh, yeah, I think this time next year we'll we'll have that in our hands or just about have it in our hands, so stay tuned, yeah. there's gonna be a lot more news on oh, this. yeah, we'll
1: probably be covering this all the. Oh, way. We'll
0: definitely be talking about it, um, but since we're on the topic of Nintendo. And I think we're going to wrap up with this topic as our last topic. Yep. Um, Nintendo has announced that their online services for the 3DS and Wii U will be shuttering starting this April. Meaning, any games that require you to go online or have mm. an optional online mode like Mario Kart 7, you want to go play a match online with a friend or with randoms, you will not be able gone. to do that anymore. It's gone. Now, one thing they've clarified is that the eShop, which closed earlier this year, you can still log into that. You can still re download games you previously purchased, even after the online cutoff. Um, but all games that have online functionality, meaning like score tracking, high scores, yeah. uh, multiplayer, player versus player, ad hoc multiplayer, all of that is going to go away. Any like special little downloads you can get inside the game that are free, you won't be able to have access to that anymore, I mean we're talking about Pokemon, you can't trade with people online anymore Yeah, Monster Hunter, you can't team up with other players anymore, Mario Kart you can't race with people anymore that means you're just you and the CPU or people who happen to be locally,
1: it's with. like they want you to stop playing yeah. That's what, how it feels to me.
0: It's interesting, you know, Sony still has, well, that's, you know, a lot of a lot of like PS3 games, a lot of 360 games. Most of those online servers have been depreciated at this point. Right. And uh, you know, this is not exactly that era. This is more more recent than the PS3 and 360. Most PS4 stuff is still up, although some third-party games have been depreciated. Um But yeah, Nintendo is just closing the door all at once, Mm -hmm. not just for select games only. I'm sure some of these games still have a lot of people online, but Nintendo's just like, no, it's going all at once. It's not worth it for them. Now there is one, one particular title that is having an exception made for it. Yep. And it's Pokemon Bank. Pokemon Bank. What's Pokemon Bank, Rick?
1: Okay, so it's a storage application, I guess, for Pokemon. Um, up through, uh, what Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon? Yeah. So from. What well, That spans like transfer wise, transferring you can go all the way from
0: Generation Three Pokemon games
1: on Game Boy Bands on Game
0: Boy Bands. So we're talking Ruby, Sapphire, Emerald, Fire Red, Leaf Green. You can technically using various tools. That weren't online, and then eventually did become online only tools with bank. With bank specifically, you can transfer Pokemon all the way up through the current games, and you can even take them all the way to the Switch. So that Mudkip you caught in two thousand three, you can bring that all All the the way way to
1: Scarlet and Violet. Well, I
0: don't know that Mudkip's in Scarlet and Violet yet, but you can bring it to the Switch generation of games, um, which is pretty darn insane when you think about it. I mean. There's people who like like to collect all the ribbons from like all the elite fours and all the different regions, and all of that's going to go away one day. But for now, it's still getting a stay of execution. Yep. Interestingly, though, they said that Pokemon Bank will continue after April 2024. But the next day after Nintendo said it would continue, um, Pokemon issued a statement on their play at Play Pokemon Twitter account. And they said, while Pokemon Bank can still be used beyond the April 2024 date, we encourage players to transfer their Pokemon to Pokemon Home at their earliest convenience. So, Pokemon Home has a way to import anything you have stored in Bank straight to Pokemon Home. Yes. So, again, Bank is the 3DS tool. Pokemon Home is the Switch and mobile device tool to store and manage your Pokemon collection. Um, But this is basically saying,
1: you better do it quick. Right. This is basically saying we already have plans to shut down bank. We're just doing it a little bit later.
0: Just because it's not going to be in April 2024 doesn't mean it's not going to be in 2024. That's kind of the vibe I'm getting from this. Right. Like, I would not expect bank to last any more than 12 months after this date. I think that's the absolute most it could last till April 2025.
1: You're probably right. But it it might close sooner. They seem to be doing
0: these things in a year cycle. Uh, You know, the eShop closed in spring of this year. Now, online's closing for 3DS and Wii U this year. And then the following year, they'll finally close the last. Alive th- on those systems. I think
1: we mentioned this in the last episode briefly, but Bank is already closed off to newcomers. Like it's right. it's been that way since they shut down the eShop. You can no longer download Bank, and and you, I think you can, but you can't use the. You transporter. can
0: download Bank only if you downloaded it previously before the eShop closed. Right. If you have it downloaded, you can continue to use it at no cost. It used to be a five dollars subscription service to use it every year right but now they've made it free since you can no longer pay for things on the nintendo eShop. so that's that was a cool courtesy that they extended to players right um and there is a special tool for importing game uh, importing pokemon from the 3d or the ds games Mm -hmm. which is called poke transporter which you could have only downloaded if you had previously paid for pokemon bank
1: right which also works with the uh, virtual console Game Boy titles. Yes, yeah, well. so you can
0: even bring Pokemon from generations one and two via the virtual console Game Boy games, which is awesome. Right. That means right now, generations one through present can be brought up. Right. All the way to the current games. I mean, that's wild. Once the 3DS ends, that's it. Right. You can only bring Pokemon from generation well, once bank ends. Once bank ends their service, only Generation 8 and 9 games will be available Right on Switch. That's it. Now, most Pokemon are available on w- at least one of those games. There are a handful that aren't. So, I mean, I guess maybe they're thinking, well, you can still get all the Pokemon. Right. But it's just not the same. It's not. It's not the same. There's so much you wouldn't have access to anymore. And we're also forgetting... Like Pokemon Coliseum and Pokemon XD, which were GameCube, Generation 3 games. Yeah. I mean, those, they're already kind of the red-headed stepchild of the Pokemon RPG franchise, the main series. But now they're going to be even more forgotten. Right, and
1: those game Pokemon from those games can also technically be brought up. Yeah, you can
0: trade directly to the Generation 3 games uh, from Pokemon Coliseum and XD and then carry those Pokemon all the way forward. I have a Sneasel that i caught i think in pokemon coliseum Mm -hmm. that was like a shadow pokemon so it gets a special ribbon for being cleansed of its shadow property and then i got it all the different ribbons from all the various different generations forward and you know now i have it in scarlet or violet and you know when i go to its ribbon page it's just like you just got to keep scrolling it's awesome right and they won't even need a scroll bar for ribbons anymore. No, they're. Because there just won't be enough ribbons to even, like, apply to your Pokemon.
1: And not only that, but everything from Ultra Sun, Ultra Moon. It's. When you start, like, thinking, really like, thinking. 3DS wasn't that long ago. No. The fact that the wasn't. 3DS
0: generations of Pokemon games are going to be cut off yeah, is insane. That's my
1: point. Yeah. You know, I, I just played through that not that long ago, um, it feels like. And they
0: got to do something. If they're going to cut these games off, then they need to have a remake, or a digital version, or even a physical version would be even better, that you can play on Switch that can link to home.
1: Right, well that's kind of what they're trying to do. With... I
0: mean, we don't have any of the classic Pokemon games available on Switch. No, we don't. Uh, mean, we we have... have remakes,
1: Brilliant Diamond and Pearl and right. all that.
0: But even then, it's not the same game as the DS game. You know, yeah, it's I want, not. I want the DS game to be available. I, I want the Game Boy Advance yeah. game to be available. I want the Game Boy game to be available. Yeah, it's not the same. So I really hope before they finally do close bank, they they find a way to get those games to us. Yeah. Either emulation with like a link into home, just like the way that the, the Game Boy and Game Boy Color games can link to bank. Um, we need something like that.
1: Yeah, I don't think they're going to do it.
0: I don't know, I'm more optimistic. I think we'll see some kind of classic Pokemon game collection, or they'll release them individually for $10 the way they did
1: on 3DS. Oh, yeah, I could, okay, I see what you're saying. Like, yeah. releasing all these on Switch or something. Exactly. Yeah, got yeah. it. So, I mean,
0: I don't know if they'll do it before they close Bank, on the 3DS, Mm -hmm. but I I really hope they have a solution in place, something for players uh, that enjoy the classic games to still have access to them and still bring Pokemon forward, right? Um, and hopefully be able to move the Pokemon around from one classic game to the next classic game the way we can do now with the physical games on Game Boy Advance, DS, and 3DS. Because um, even if they do, just bring the classic games, but you don't have a way to move them directly through one to another,
1: that's that would be a bit of a bummer. Yeah, yeah, this whole thing is a bummer. I don't, I don't even want the DS games to be cut off. Yeah, but yeah, it's happening. And again, this comes back right around to our argument about things being online. Yeah, you know, and not physical. Yeah, and. Yeah, it's just this
0: is just going to become the
1: digital hate podcast. I would rather have a cable link that connects my DS to my switch. I
0: agree. Yeah, I see. I always thought maybe they would do something where before they announced that Pokemon Home was going to be a thing, where like you could broadcast the uh, on DS, you can do a uh, a download play. Mm-hmm. and I thought maybe the Switch would broadcast some kind of special application that the 3DS could download because they did that uh I think the link between the Gen 4 and Gen 5 Pokemon games you would have to do download play on the DS in order to send Pokemon forward. Right. I thought maybe they could do something like that uh for Switch to 3DS but then they did uh Home which made it uh even easier than that w- was but right. Uh, I kind of wish it was more local and not online only. Right. Because even one day, I mean, hopefully, home is around for the foreseeable future, and they just keep carrying this forward, and they don't make a new storage Storage, app. Like that's ridiculous. Um, And going back to the Switch successor, it does seem like you know they're still making improvements to like the Switch UI. They're still adding like Bluetooth headphone features. So like that tells me that like. They're just going to carry that UI over that simple UI mm-hmm. over to their their next console.
1: I, I think Home could be better with oh, just there's this, there's
0: things that are missing from Home for sure. Give me the model, yeah. like show me the model. Yeah, not just a 3D render, right? I mean, there's stuff on the mobile app that I wish was on the right. the, the, the Switch app, and there's stuff that's on the Switch app that I wish was on right. the mobile. It's, app. it's kind like, of a mess. Why are you splitting the features between one and the like the G the Global Trade Center? or Global Trade Station. You can mm-hmm. only do it on mobile, but that should be
1: on the Switch. They I mean Home could integrate like anything like playing with your Pokémon, all the kind of cool stuff you could do yeah. with the Stylus and yeah. the DS games. They could have all that in Home. They that could. would be awesome. Yeah.
0: You could so, even get ribbons I mean, and stuff. I
1: mean, I'm surprised
0: that they've not even like increased the storage space. Right. I mean, since Home launched, several Pokémon games have come out. And there's been no increase in right. the storage space. And people are paying like $15 a year for this service. Right. So if you're listening to Pokemon Company, I could really use a few more boxes of storage. Please, yeah. please, 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 give and me some more storage.
1: You'll go through f- the 5,000 boxes um, or yeah, whatever. I'm, I'm at like
0: 4,000 something right now. Pretty
1: quick. I'm, I've am
0: i got 20 plus years of Pokemon yeah. I brought forward. I I need some more space, guys. Not
1: all of your audience are Gen Z. Yeah, who just discard their Pokemon with their number. Or or you have never played any of the old ones. (laughs) Right.
0: Um, Okay, well, I think that's a good place to end this episode on. Yeah. Uh, Thank you for joining us on our angry millennial rant about digital Pokemon. Yeah. And uh,
1: the rest of our. Episode.
0: The, yeah, the rest of it, which I don't even remember what we talked about. I'm just so fired up about my nah. my digital
1: Pokemon right now. The bank situation.
0: Um so we'll be back this Tuesday. We're gonna record another episode, so it'll just be a few days before you get to hear our voices again. Yeah. Uh thanks for joining us.
1: Yeah, thanks for joining us.
0: Um have end, a good one.
1: And the transmission.
0: And the transmission. Oh, okay, I like that.